Uh, all right, James, since you pressed record, you better do an intro. None of the scenes in this program were staged. This is not a Halloween fable. This is a real-life horror story, and it will give small children bad dreams. The CBS Radio Workshop, dedicated to man's imagination. The Theater of the Mind presents... One for the trouble, two for the time. Come on, y'all. I'm off to the camera. Yeah, so here we are on Monday. Once again, uh, we were supposed to maybe possibly have a theme of talking about music. Um, That's why we were all punctual. Yes, we were very punctual. Putting the punk and punctual over here. And the pun uh, back in punk. Sorry. But, you know, it's Can't. not necessary that we hold to a theme, but uh, it was an idea that was out there. We don't generally do themed recordings, but... Um, well, how did that get started anyway? That, that was Nova Scotia, you know. He it was, posted, and he's not huh? here. And it he's not here. Idea. Oh, no, it was my <laughs> idea, sorry. He started it. Yeah. He sort of, yeah, he inspired it. He sort of, sort of posted some things up, and then it was your reaction to them, and and because uh, you've got so much insider knowledge there, that everybody's um, like, "Wait, oh, come on!" And this is the second time, and unless uh, we've we've had a long conversation where you two were going backwards and forwards on the music stuff, and I was uh, playing catch up on Google because I didn't know the names, like I said, but I and you put on Google, ah, that's that one, yeah, ah, that's that one. I do know the music. Well, because, yeah, uh, James over there in Spain has um, worked with a lot of my favorite artists and DJs over the years. And so it's just interesting to uh, hear his stories about, you know, those folks. And it's, it's very coincidentally. It's very co coincidentally, yeah. Yeah. But it's funny how it's all down the memory hole. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Nova. Because like for you, it was, I guess for you, it was probably more of just a matter of circumstance where yeah. you found yourself in this world of music and art and along yeah. comes a, a record label and needs some artwork and there you are. Yeah, it's just normal. I mean, that was my normal everyday <coughs> situation. It's only relevant suddenly 20 years later. It's like a thing like, oh, you were there with that person at that time. But at the time, you don't realize. At the time, it's not important because it's just what's happening. Just a gig, um, just a job, yeah. Well, or just social. It's just what's happening, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah, so no, I guess here's a question I would I have is, um, you know, did you get paid pretty fairly for your work that you did for various artists? No, the money in the music industry is rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah about the cachet and the, I don't know, what do you call it? I mean, the money was is okay. When vinyl was selling, like in the early DJ Shadow days, the money was quite good, yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, now it's sort of non-existent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... Because he had uh, Shadow in particular had pretty big distribution. He was worldwide. Yeah. 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 He had different distro deals in every country. So. 
Right. He's, it's the same well. now because that last cover I did for him in Japan, they did a different cover. Mm-hmm. Did a more traditional um, sort of Japanese cover. My one was just for Europe and the States, I guess. Or whoever wanted to buy it. It pays some money, but it's not like... Back in the day, yeah, the money was good. Yeah. Do you get some sort of kind of mechanical royalty rights then? Uh, no, as they reprint it, do you get or do you get more money then, or is it just a one-off thing? That's always just a one-off. But also, when okay. at the time when you're doing it, you don't know which ones are going to have longevity or become iconic. Or yeah, yeah, you know, just never know. Yeah, just like Jordan Maxwell, you never know which meme's going to go. Exactly. <laughs> just like Peter Blake, who designed the tongue. For the Rolling Stones, yeah, got did he get fifty you know, pounds? Yeah, right. Which for him at the time was good money. Yeah, you know. yeah, just like all those old blues singers and things, you know, by selling their songs. You know. Sure, and it's the same in the voiceover world. It used to be that you had you kept your rights, so you would get royalties. Uh, but uh, they soon suss that, and then they buy your rights off you. And then you think it's good money. You think, oh, that's good money. No, it's a really small percentage of what they're getting then. Yeah. I know now who do vinyl or whatever, they just do it for the love, really. It sort of breaks even, you know. Yeah. It's a hipster thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's taking off again. But um... I like it. I like it. I like vinyl. Yeah, me too. And uh, and the whole format, and yeah, you've got some room for some artwork there. Yeah, a it's little a bit. Proper picture in your hand. It's not a, a you know, not a CD. Well, I actually buy CDs because they're more practical. Yeah, I, I just don't have the equipment to play vinyl, you know, on any kind of um, decent scale. It's just. Um, it's so much stuff to carry around. You know, you got to have the <laughs> turntable, the amplifier, if, the speakers, will keep, and the record crates. If you will keep emigrating, yeah, that's that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Get that stuff on your person. Yeah. I've got one record player. There's a guy who, 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 who takes his piano around the world, you know, keeps moving around with his piano. <laughs> Everywhere, all over the place. Yeah, a few weeks, it'll move on. Get the piano in the next place, and uh, around the world with the piano. And he posted, "Oh, I went to a nice classical concert last night." And then he posted this amazing punk concert, you know. And the kids just, you know, <laughs> on the stage and running and kicking, and you know, not really hurting each other, but it looks like a mass brawl. Yeah, but they're you know, kind of pretending, you know, like a punk concert. It is amazing to see. You know, just young boys. Ah! <laughs> Too much energy. Ah! <laughs> well, out there, there's kids' punk bands. There's a kid on my street who's got a band. I mean, he must be like 18, like, you know, typical kind of skater kid with long hair. But we came home one night and the street was just filled with kids. <laughs> and there was his him and his band were playing 
in his yeah. apartment. They live on the ground floor. Yeah, they were, doing, like, they were doing covers of Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite funny. No, I hear, I hear them practicing. Yeah, it brings them all, huh? Brings the kids in. Exactly. Fills up the street every now and again. Yeah, make a loud noise. I got to finally got to have a session uh, this weekend with uh, an electric session. I hadn't for ages. Great fun. Wow, yeah, I've forgotten how much fun it is. <laughs> you know, and the bass player and the drummer there. So that's good. It must be really cool, that camaraderie of being in a band, getting together and like working together like that, whatever. Yeah, it is. It's something. This is something I really do like doing, which is why I've done it so much. <laughs> yeah. I've been lucky enough to do it, but I didn't want to do anything else, you know. So, I mean, it's the same with you saying getting. You were just. You were, that's actually the interesting bit. Oh, you were just there. You just happened to be there when this guy came along and said, "Could you do the artwork?" You just. But how did you happen to be there? Uh, yeah, that's just the universe playing about with you, isn't it? Yeah, but did you? I mean, just marionettes what? in the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we need someone like Nova Scotia, or at least you two. Could I mean, because there was a lot of names there in that whole thing. Yeah, just well, shadow. Could, yeah, there was name bigger names that I knew as well. And um, hanging out, and how they're all—that's the, the time when most of them are, you know, more the scene I know. You know, just sort of just getting by, really, hoping for a break. Well, everyone was. I mean, even people who ran labels and everything was just chancy, chancy. You know. Yeah, yeah. And things right. don't last long. No. Right. Yeah, it was that whole time period during the early, you know. Through the 90s, basically, when that whole DJ culture and hip-hop, you know, sort of mashup type music uh, really gained popularity. And it was a totally brand new thing for the most part. I mean, of course, you well, had the, the acid house scene from the 80s and the DJs from then, but it sort of evolved through the 90s to become this yeah. whole other thing where people were just digging, you know, digging crates, finding old records to sample and sort of repackaging, um, you know, into a new context, a lot of old music that, uh, you know, a lot of kids never necessarily heard before. Yeah. That was cool, because when Shadow DJed, he just had a box of seven inches, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, him and Cut Chemist were, like, really big on the 45s, and they've done, like, some awesome, you know, recordings, live shows and stuff of just spinning seven inches. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So I got to see him do that. He was smart. Like, he didn't drink and he didn't do drugs. He was very focused. DJ Shadow, you mean? Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a very, a very unique sort of circumstance because like those guys um there wasn't many people that were doing what they were at that time and so they would you know go out of their way to find like obscure record shops and the owner would 
let them into the basement where they could just find a treasure trove of you know yeah, records. Yeah. Digging in the crate. Which is, yeah, a lot of that music is basically lost now. I mean, except for these guys who are kind of, you know, bringing it back. Yeah. It's always been there. I mean, that's how it started, really. I really when Bambata published his top 100 records list. And that's when people were like, oh, I see. And now I bought them secondhand. Mm-hmm. It was mainly 70s music. Shadow and Gaslamp and those guys, they went further back. They went into the 60s. They had a different sound. I was listening to an interview with one of these guys. I think it was Cut, Cut Chemist. And he said he had bought one of those early break records where it was like a record specifically for DJs with just ultimate breaks and beats. Yeah, yeah. And he found one copy that had like a master list that the label had included with the record of all all the sources for all the samples on the vinyl. Yeah, that's great. And and so he took that, he took that and used it as like his Bible for a while. Yeah, of course. To just find those, you know, go out and find those 12 inches. Because everyone used to like, my friends used to do that as well. They'd cover the labels up, you know. So they'd they'd turn up at their club or at their house or something, and they'd put on a brand new 45 they'd found, some 70s funk break. But they'd like, like, the labels They didn't want you to know what it was. (laughs) Yeah. Very competitive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because there's all those classic breakbeats, like everyone's heard, like the Amen break and whatever that, you know, uh, NWA used on, what was that, Straight Outta Compton or one of those tunes where, but that was from from the Winstons, you know, uh, that old, yeah, Amen, brother. <laughs> Amen. And that's just one of those one of those breaks that everyone knows, but they don't necessarily know the history behind it. They don't know where it came from. It's just don't even know it's a break. Yeah, it's just that drum sound. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, oh yeah, there's those drums. But yeah, no, that all came from a specific seven inch from nineteen seventy two or whatever it was. I think I played that once. I I played uh I played that Winston's <laughs> tune on, on one of that our one. early recordings. Yeah, that, yeah I think it did. Yeah. It's a great tune, you know, in and of itself. It's a fantastic song. I mean, can't argue with it, but uh, it just has that classic drum break that everyone uses now. I mean, it spawned a whole genre into jungle and drum and bass. Like, that's all built on that and funky drummer and what was the name of the drummer? On the Winstons? I don't know. Ah, uh, that's getting a bit deep, Matty. <laughs> I know I know Funky Drummer was Clyde Stubblefield, obviously, from James Brown, but I'm gonna have yeah. to phone up Uncle Google and see if he knows the answer to that one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean like, to have a whole I mean, to have a whole genre of music built on one of your breaks, come on. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah, and those guys, you know, the guys who actually, the players, you know, those drummers, they never saw any royalties from, you know, the second, third generation of all that stuff, because it was all sampled. It was all just, you know, out there, royalties um, 
licensing or whatever sample clearance wasn't really a thing in the underground scene people just did it because sampling you know? just came out of nowhere so there was no um yeah. kind of legal structure <laughs> really to deal with it at the time now we live no one saw it coming in full-on 360 degrees sampling culture don't we where people people's personalities almost are sampled from the internet. Yeah, but it's funny, the art, that art has seemed to have died out. You know, there's not that much. I mean, you do cut, there are cut-ups and mash-ups on YouTube sometimes and things like that and that sort of thing. But the actual making music with it seems to have, you know, taken things and, you know, the computer sort of killed that in a way because it lays it all out. Am I right with that? Because you, you, you know, with your, when you're breaking a beat and then you've got to play things over it, you're still going to make music with it in a way. I think there's still a lot of people doing sample-based music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, seems to be more and more minimal these days, isn't it? Mind you, I suppose the grime scene's different. Yeah, that's true. So, I suppose in that UK scene, it's happening more. Go on, I'm floundering here. You are floundering, <laughs> aren't you? No, I mean in general. I wasn't. I just think it's still alive. Yeah. Okay, good. Out there. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's things. definitely still alive, you know, but nowadays you have these sample packs that uh, companies will put out where they just get um, musicians in studio into a session to just record samples. You know, yeah, so I mean that's what I mean. I don't. Your... I mean, yeah, yeah. You've got all that in Logic, and you've got it all in your big programs, and you just phew, everything you want, and you can mess about with it. But it's not right. the art, if you know what I mean. In this, you're not limited. In a way, it's it's not so good because you're not limited. It's uh, strange. You know, you're not forced to sort of find something and use that, and then that forces you to do something else, and that forces you into a whole uh, slightly, you know, different direction. Well, it's so much easier nowadays because any any Joe Schmo can just download one of these sample packs and get to work. Where yeah. he's you know got all the kicks and everything separated, all the drum elements. You know, you got synthesizer hits, uh, different keys. Um, yeah, there's just so much that's already pre-packaged, so it's more like it's more like painting by numbers in yeah, a way. Paste. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> But then there's the whole other element to it where, you know, you can just pick up a vinyl record that you like or, you know, find a song that you like and take certain little bits from it and reorganize and reorchestrate them to your own liking. And that's, that's always more, more where the craft comes in. Yeah, that's always more satisfying anyway, taking it from the actual vinyl, like taking mm -hmm. out the bit that you want. Yeah, and you also get sometimes then you get this tail or this little pre-echo or whatever that changes the beat, yeah? Yeah, because vinyls, you know, everyone's unique, so... Yeah, yeah. You're sampling it off your vinyl, it's going to sound different from someone else playing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, Crass, the band, just released all their original masters um, in layers so oh, that really? people can remix them themselves. Oh wow! 
I went on to free? the website. Yeah, it's free. You can use. Yeah, I went on, but you have to download it in big blocks. You can't just download individual drum tracks, or mm. you have to actually uh, take. There's like, I think there's like eight different blocks you can download. But yeah, they want people to remix it and put it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. New versions of it. Yeah. Peace. Well, yeah. Were you thinking about it? I was, but then I, I saw the size of the file. I was like, I can't bother to download that. <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I don't make kind of like really structured music that would be considered a remix. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not enough, you, not enough you, lutes. You wouldn't know at the end. Like, yeah. Right, right. It's really one heavy, sort of weird ambient track. Mm -hmm. And it's the whole thing is based on a sample from um, uh, a band called The Kills. It's, I sampled the intro to one of their songs. And, but you'd have no idea that's what it was. Yeah, right. I think that's, that's the skill. That's great if you can, you know. Yeah, one thing is easy to do now with kind of logic that's nice is you can it's playing with the speeds of a thing. Now you really can kind of like you know half it and half it and half it again, and then layer it. You know, that's what I do because I've got a granular yeah. sampler. So once you've oh, isolated nice. the bit that you want, you can just take it down and down, down. And then yeah, yeah. Some then sometimes it's nice to have it going backwards when it's really slow. And yeah, then, yeah. You can't, yeah, you can take it too far. But, um, that's yeah, that's really the like fun it. part about it, too. And and that's why it's kind of ridiculous, like, for some of these record companies to be suing artists, you know, for not clearing their samples. But, you know, there's a certain point where you can manipulate a sound to a point where it's unrecognizable from the original. Yeah. Oh yeah, if I played like, that track well, to the kills, they would have no idea. They wouldn't recognize it. Like, yeah. They wouldn't know. It just happened to be a sound source that was a kicking off point so mm. that I don't have to write music from scratch. Like I just find a layer from somewhere and then that's the beginning, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's different when you get into like you know, sampling vocal hooks and stuff like that and just using yeah. them straight out onto your rap song or whatever. It's like it's well, a bit blatant, yeah. You should expect yeah, to get um, taken to court for that. Yeah. Right. What's that famous song? Um, I really shouldn't start an anecdote without knowing what I'm going to talk about, should I? Uh, <laughs> You're in the right. You didn't take notes? It's an English band. <laughs> Oh, I can't remember now. Anyway, the whole—it was a massive pop hit in England, but the whole thing was based on a string section from some sixties. Oh, the the Verve was it the Rolling Stones? Yeah, Bittersweet Symphony. Exactly, and. That, that record ended up costing them money because they had to pay. They didn't clear that to use that. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they thought they were going to get away with it, but right, they just straight up ripped <laughs> off that melody. Yeah. <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> and it, so they, at the time, they never no made any money. No one cares that, right? start making well, money. But then the they thing do. is, yeah, at the time, most of the kids in America who heard that song on the radio didn't know where that came from until years later, if they bothered to look into it, like myself. I remember hearing that on the radio and being like, oh, that's kind of a catchy tune. And then years later, when I got into all this stuff and started doing a little research, eventually you find out, yeah, they'd rip that from the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Like full that's on, one band you, know, you don't want to rip off. Yeah, a small legal team behind them. <laughs> <laughs> and they were the band who. I mean, you sort of have to hate them for this, but they were the band who introduced well their management the idea of different price tickets for a concert on where you were because all that like a concert ticket would just be one price you know mm, like mm. five pounds to go into the theater and it was their management who said no 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 you're gonna have to pay a premium if you want to sit near the front right right you know what i mean yep and they wow. controlled all their tours pretty nuts well, and that's mostly like touring is where, you know, most artists, musicians actually make money anymore is by touring. Yeah. Well, Mick Jagger did go to the London School of Economics. So. <laughs> it wasn't stupid, was he? And he sounds so posh, doesn't he, anyway? He's well posh. Hello, he? Mick. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Are you all right, mate? Yeah, like, I think that Cockney bit's like more put on than anything. In the sixties, he was trying to be posh, wasn't he? Like all of them, he had his posh voice when he was on TV. Yeah, it's kind of like dandy royals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They are now. Sure, the whole jewel, nice, nice bit of dualism, wasn't it? You know, night and day, good and bad, sexy and uh, and brave. The Beatles and the Rolling Stones. I want to hold your hand. I want to spend the night with you. <laughs> and all that. So, that. Uh... Wearing on a record, saying the F word, honestly. <laughs> now they tried to kind of redo it with, uh, who was it? Oasis and Blur or something in the 90s, didn't they? Oh, that was pathetic. Yeah. Could they choose two crappier bands for anyone to be bothered about? Job Napoleon's not here. Wow. No, he's I hate them. <laughs> I get it, though, isn't it? Because being the London arty type, you would think uh, that I should naturally fall into the blur camp, don't you? But I think now, looking back on it, um, that Oasis have actually were actually the more authentic band, weren't they? Yeah, probably. They were sort of more consistent and put it out there. Like, yeah, we're the new Beatles. <laughs> we're just going to copy like what they did and, you know, sing along yeah. stadium songs. And, and they sort of stuck to that. 
Whereas Blur yeah. weren't really any, they didn't really have a vision, did they? No, they were like a, bit... a sort of nerdy art school kid who was <laughs> sort of just larking about. They didn't really have a consistent sound or anything. Yeah. Arist wanted to be like a skate punk and the singer wanted to be a pop singer and the bass player wasn't bothered and nobody knows <laughs> what the drama was called. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you say, no vision, a bit blurred. Yeah. Exactly. That was a, no, actually but, quite a good name for them. Yeah. Mm. But still they managed to get a big hit with that uh, song too, was it, I think? Too, yeah. Right. I feel that, heavy that, metal. That is a good lyric. It was a little bit it was a little bit like, you know, smells like teen spirit, sort of that Nirvana kind of vibe where the thing? The kids the kids got into it, you know. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Well, um I did meet Damon Albarn. Had a few drinks with Who's him. Who's that? Is that the singer from Blur? Yes, he's fine. He's quite chilled out, young man. Really. Is, the, is he the cheese guy? No, that's the bass player. All oh, right. Um, <laughs> I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah, he's gone on to become a cheese maker, right? <laughs> we talked about this once. You have to do if you were in a vaguely famous British pop band. When it all goes <laughs> south, you move to the country and then like, start get making artisanal cheeses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, you do a Brian Cox. He's also a, an ex-band, isn't he? He's some band. Like this thing that the shilling there for Tony Blair and everyone, they had the hit that uh, Tony Blair used, Things Can Only Get Better. Remember? And I think Brian Cox was the keyboard player in that band. Mm -hmm. He plays live now. Does he? Oh, right. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and apparently loads of like kids go to his shows. And he sells merchandise. I think it's, and it's like riffs on like science. Like, that's like, that's kind of like if Neil deGrasse Tyson was a bass player for Parliament Funkadelic or some shit. Yeah, maybe the Commodores. Oh, um, oh no, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, yeah, he's not cool enough to be in Parliament. He was yeah. the trom the trombone player from Earth. He Wind played and Fire. he played triangle for Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I see. I see him in a brass section somewhere. Yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> trombone. <laughs> Celebrate science with <laughs> celebrate the right. Carl Sagan band. <laughs> Carl Sagan somewhere. Carl Sagan and the Cosmos <laughs> with Neil deGrasse Tyson on trombone. Exactly. Somebody was talking about Brian. Oh, here we go. Brian Cox Live. .co.uk. Oh, he's got an OBE now. Wow. He's not getting whacked anytime soon. Universal Adventures in Space. He's not getting what? Whacked. Oh, yeah. You mean cut off, like sort of hit down, put down. Yeah, he's got the OBE. He's got the right. OBE. means he gets a, an extension. He's now a, uh, a special member. Exactly. Yeah, he's got merchandise on his website. You can buy t-shirts and mugs with like little science riffs on them. <laughs> God, yeah. Or weirdo. 
I noticed yeah. when I was uh, when I was in England, I noticed that NASA merchandise is very popular. Like, it's not uncommon mm. to see people wearing NASA shirts. Oh, it's the same in Spain. People walking around with NASA tees and hoodies. You're like, what? Why? Yeah, I I don't really get it. I mean, I guess they're like, it's making a statement as like, yes, I support science and space travel. What they did is they licensed out the, the branding. So a couple of the high street chains, possibly H&M, I want to say, actually produced it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's a weird thing to walk around with. Yeah. Uh, well, where's the, you know, I mean, what about the ESA? You know, where's all the people with ESA hoodies that, you know, you don't see that very often. Um, what's the, what the ESA? What's that? European, European Space Agency. Space Agency. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, one of my colleagues worked there when I first met. Um, he worked there for a while, testing something, you know, I don't know. And he, and then and then um, they sized down, and he got he lost his job. He was a physicist. Then he went working for some big company that you know make these sort of theoretically sort of cancer killing machines or whatever they are. These horrible machines. Cancer creating machines. Yeah. yeah. You can buy Brian Cox's album on vinyl. Of course, he's cool. Oh, there you go. He's the hipster without a beard. Yeah, he's got like this whole live show, music and then visuals of like space. <laughs> I think he'd have enough to do, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you? Guy sounds a bit like you, actually, Manny. I'm gonna um... Me? <laughs> when he speaks, could I, I do an impression? Doing... Could I do an impression of Brian Cox? I don't know. Look, I don't think it's him doing the thing. No. Oh. Sort of like Jean-Michel Jarre. But more boring. Okay. Really? <laughs> Jean-Michel is, you know, you, you want something to uh, imbibe while you're there. Sit back and relax. It's not sort of... I dropped it in the general. Professor oh, no, Brian Cox. Yeah, he is a professor. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I, when I want to go see live music... And I see the name, uh, the word "professor" in front of the artist's name. I'm definitely going to go see that show because ah, I'm going to call you out now. Yeah, what about because there are quite enemy a few, with Professor yeah. X. Yeah, <laughs> and there are quite a lot of few a few professors in the in the reggae scene as well. Large professor, <laughs> dub professor. Yeah. It's like when, you know, when some duke or something dies and the, the standard joke is, I didn't know he was a jazz musician. Ah, uh, that would have been hilarious if I'd heard the beginning of it. <laughs> it wasn't the beginning. You know, when, when some duke or some uh, dies. Oh, the duke. You know, yeah, yeah, I Yeah, a duke okay. dies. And then you say, duke right. of Edinburgh's died. Can you edit that, Edinburgh. James, so that we all found it hilarious? Yeah. That was a good joke. I like that. Yeah, yeah, great. Thanks. Glad I recorded it. That's really good. I think I stole it from Jeremy. Jeremy. Oh, what's his name? He's dead now. That's how old the joke is. Head to the cosmos. Hey, whereabouts are you roughly in the states, James? I'm in Wisconsin, the Great Lakes region. 
just Jeremy Hardy, kid. by the way. I just remembered that's the, Jeremy Hardy. Go yeah. on, Great Lakes region, yeah. No, I'm checking there. the tour dates, but it won't let me select the USA ones. We can go and see Brian. He's on tour, yeah. He's playing London, O2. Birmingham. These guys are working like like there's no tomorrow sometimes. I think, hey, come on, you know, you, you, what's going on with you guys? <laughs> Why do you need so much money? Or maybe it's because there are other people, you know. I heard quite a few stories about, you know, older show business people just not being able to stop because there's too many people hanging on it, you know, looking forward yeah, to the next. Yeah. And, and you can't stop because you're letting too many people down if you, if you well, stop. Well, yeah, there's contractual agreements and, yeah, just generally wanting more money. You know, but I mean, I noticed like, what was it? I looked at, oh, God, I watched Barrow Green for a bit, but I couldn't keep, I only watched a bit of it. But this is a guy who's on about four TV shows. I don't know how many TV shows he does. And he's still taking time out to do a, a world tour of I don't know how many dates. Yeah. I mean, bog, mind boggling. Um, <sighs> you ever see your family? Like, kind of tell jokes about your family right? would you go back for six months six weeks to get some material i don't know you know it's like <laughs> i suppose it's this 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 and when you get involved there there's this kind of like you gotta you know get it while it's hot while it's going you gotta strike while the iron's hot get as much money as you can while because tomorrow you might be yesterday's news yeah. And, yeah people just have to go with the flow don't they because they don't know why it's gonna yeah, when it's going to end. <gasps> I, I'm just waiting for the Brian Cox blues explosion when that tour happens. I'll definitely go. Yeah, when he's over his electronic phase. <laughs> it's the skiffle band back together. <laughs> I played in a skiffle band. I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> I played in a really original skiffle band from called Grenzwatch Stabil, and they were called that because they found a washboard and that was written on it. Grenzwatch means sort of border watch and Stabil okay. means stable. Border watch stable. <laughs> Someone wrote that on the washboard. No one knows why and that was the... But the, in, in after the war, you know, nobody had any instruments. Everyone was poor. If you had a horn, you were the king king of the place. And so very often it was a, like... Uh, so after Kunter Grass was here, you know, the tin drum... And then um, when he was here, he played, he didn't play the drum like his um, sort of autonomous hero there, the, the drummer boy in the book. Uh, does he, uh, he played washboard with Klaus Doldinger, who went on to be quite a famous jazz saxophonist here. And uh, and they went around playing the pubs. And there were lots of these skiffle bands. And um, so I just managed to get in the tail end there. And <laughs> they play all these old German songs. I I now know, and all sorts of weird songs. And you know, after the war, there were lots of like Cliff Richard, Elvis Presley. A lot of them recorded songs in German. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, Cliff Richard did a thing, wrote lips in some cousin. <laughs> Red lips are there to kiss. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. What the? What, what's the appeal? What's the appeal to Cliff Richard? I never understood that. I never heard of him until he was accused of being a. 
a sex offender. But <laughs> <laughs> what's strange is he's actually he's the forerunner of Brian Cox. Brian Cox is a modern Cliff Richard. They they're very similar type. Yeah, they look they look similar even. Yeah, sort of girl boy, you know, sort of good looking kind of girl boy. I guess I guess Cliff Richard sort of appealed to like English housewives in the eighties. He appealed to teenage girls. Okay. Because yeah. he was like this happening, you know, because they he made the movies Summer Holiday being a classic, you know. So teenage girls would have looked up to him singing and dancing and clean cut. Oh, I see. You know, clean, very clean cut. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And I guess they would have stayed with him through to like the 80s when he was making his terrible. Then it would have been Housewives who liked him. But in the beginning, the black and white days, he was, yeah, he was definitely like a teen heartthrob. He was he England's was Elvis. Say, yeah. yeah, he was British. <laughs> That's what it was the best we could come up with. You know, it's like... Yeah. Well, that's because Joe Brown was a bit tawdry and uh, too blonde. Too blonde, yeah. Yeah. Cliff had the quiff. Yeah, Adam Faith had the quiff, but again, too blonde. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, quiff. Yeah. Look, Cliff looked like an all-American boy. That was the thing. Yeah, they wanted he someone to look. Young, Cliff was probably the <laughs> one of the ten people in England at the time that had perfect teeth. I think it was the main thing. <laughs> that's all you need in britain to be a yeah star, you got perfect you teeth i'll take you good grill <laughs> smile please okay you've got the job. exactly that's probably how he got the job yeah, i wouldn't be surprised yeah the music is great but let you know the music is great but let's see your teeth yeah. <laughs> Ding. I'm glad okay we can we can market that yep because th at that time, you know, um, anything American was like the thing to, to be, to do, to emulate, yeah? Because this is before the Beatles, you know? Yeah. That's how Which I'm is interesting because on the, on the other side of the coin in America, we had the so-called British invasion where all these British bands were blowing up the scene. And, yeah, that was, know, the, that was laying the foundation for rock and roll or whatever. Yeah. That was a two-way thing, wasn't it? Yeah. Going on. I mean, like early sampling in a way, you know, the Rolling Stones, but and at least the Rolling Stones acknowledged who they got it off and, and you know, and rehabilitated a lot of those black blues musicians, you know, suddenly then had a career again because the Stones had covered them, yeah? Well, don't forget Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin fucking killed it when they went to the States. Yeah. 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 But yeah, how, they're still how, bigger you know, than the Rolling Stones. To this day, most American musicians, especially in the metal scene, will cite Led Zeppelin as a major influence. And okay. Yeah, I, I just never thought Robert Plant was a great singer. I just never got into it, really. Yeah, but what they cracked there, which was really important, is basically, <clears throat> unless I know we could get thrashed, but the, the fact that it's the high voice cuts through, it cuts through all that, you know, mid-tone. There's a lot of mid-tone going on there. The guitars are all in the same frequency and the drums hammering away. It's all the same frequency. You need something that sits on the top. 
and he had that high voice and that's that's always always worked then for metal for a long time until yeah, the sound yeah. system has got so good and you've got so much compression going on you could go <laughs> people would still hear it you know <laughs> it's all the drum bass is so deep isn't it it's super low yeah yeah they the pull the frequencies really really so the voice yeah. just cuts out plus that they were the, on that right on that tipping point when bands started playing stadiums and they could do it you know yeah they could, make that, they could project out onto that arena yeah which a lot of bands couldn't you know you couldn't put the fucking mc5 on at madison square garden expecting <laughs> 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 to have any impact <laughs> and of course oh, yeah. ozzy osbourne you know Ozzy from what Manchester was he or Birmingham? Birmingham. They always forgotten. They always everyone always forgets Birmingham. Yeah, he's a Brummy boy. Ozzy's classic. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, I know. Like I said, my mate's mother went worked in the same pork pie factory as the bass player Geezer Butler. So I know they're real. <laughs> uh, they a pie factory, you say? A pie factory? Pork pie factory, yeah. A pork pie factory. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Get real she, on that. I don't know whether it's a classic case of hindsight, but she she said she can remember them saying, you know, asking him, hey, how's it going with the band then? And he's saying, like, kind of, uh, not so good. We're going to try this dark thing, and if it doesn't work, I think we're going to quit. Like, we'll give it one more go with the, with the goth number you know i don't know what the exact words were but something dark and satanic and if that doesn't work we're giving up wow <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> see they inside info that's inside inside dope right there my friend lives his family's farm is next door to Oz, ozzy's farm so my mate ended up making helping make the artwork for their last album 13 they had to build a big number 13 out and then set it on fire <laughs> of course yeah but, like they did it on their land but, yeah luckily he's a big black sabbath fan so that wasn't a problem yeah 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 i know there was a kid see ozzy riding around on his quad bike Bloody Prince of Darkness, I am, and I'll do what the fuck I want, and I won't. Bloody Prince of Darkness, I can't find my glasses. (laughs) (laughs) I can't put the bins out. (laughs) The Prince of Fucking Darkness, (laughs) bubbles. So they've got some stage show we've got for you. Bubbles, fucking bubbles. (laughs) A Prince of Fucking Darkness, not a fairy. Yeah, yeah, or in live at the O2, it's pretty good. And again, he's got a really oh, high voice. Yeah. yeah, he was still holding it together, man. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's got a wife that holds it together for him as well. She's. I mean, on stage, us. he like he was on stage for at least an hour. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but again, so he's like, got the high voice. That's what cuts through. You know? out. He didn't move much. But... <laughs> he never moved much. You know, that was he was thing. no Mick Jagger. No, I saw Luckily. them. They got Black blown. Sabbath would have been really different proposition with Mick Jagger singing. <laughs> <laughs> was uh so 
Was it Ronnie James Dio who took over after Ozzy in Sabbath? Don't know. Lost interest after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as... Well, it started then. It was strange. That you, as soon as you saw them establishing the scene and these magazines, Krang and things like this, and I remember thinking, what's going on here? Because I didn't... I, I was still going at it through the music, you know? And all of a sudden, there's these pin-ups, and what the fuck? Is this Top of the Pops or what? I thought this was the alternative scene, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't anymore. It was the same thing, packed into a nice little uh, in, uh, magazine, and the questions were, what, you know, what's your, what are your influences? What's your favorite color? And, you know, what do you do when you're not? You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. yeah. I used to like Kerrang! just for that exact information. <laughs> yeah, you're a bit younger than me. Exactly. Yeah, but it was yeah. you would have been the target audience then yeah definitely yeah 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 which is it's interesting because you know of course like led zeppelin you know a lot of the modern metal artists cite black sabbath as one of their primary influences of course and but a lot of these modern metal bands are supposed to be against the grain you know sort of system or whatever um but yet their heroes were still lauded in these mainstream publications and like these teen magazines which is seems antithetical to the whole uh idea of what metal is supposed to be there's only kerrang really yeah it wasn't they weren't, they weren't in like teen magazines or but they no, did occasionally the pop up on the top of the pops which is kind of weird yeah yeah the first well, the, time, uh, Iron Maiden was on top of the pops. I was like, strange. <laughs> <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, it? I mean, even Sabbath had one hit, didn't they? Yeah. That's what England's like. You can have a really underground. Band. But wasn't that something to do also with, with uh, what's it called, AM radio or what, in America when that started taking off and they started playing entire albums and those and that? And then yeah. Zeppelin, anyway, I said totally they had a different. Uh, they, they weren't interested in who needs the uk market in the end they could be stay sort of they were yeah. almost like who is this band where do i get hold of them you know it was difficult to find you had to go down and ask i well, think um, figured that out really early because they refused to put out singles didn't they and they refused to go on top of yeah the and even like cooler the fucking signature tune to top of the pops was their riff yeah <laughs> that is funny isn't it yeah I think Crazy Train is the biggest Black Sabbath song in America. Like, you can turn on any classic rock station in America, FM radio, and hear Crazy Train at least once a day. And is that Ronnie James Dio? Or? That's Ozzy Osbourne, right? That's, that's Ozzy, yeah. Okay, I don't know. Crazy Train, I don't know that one. I didn't know the other one. That's when Ozzy went solo. Oh, is it? Oh, so yeah. that wasn't even Sabbath. Okay. Yeah. That's how I mean, much I know about it. When, I, when we first got a record deal, we got a record deal with a new label and they were a new label because the guy who um, was running it had made his name Saving Black Sabbath in Germany. They were down to like selling six or 7,000 uh, albums here, you know, and that was in the you know late 80s still. And, um, and he saved them and sort of, yeah, they took a real dive. Yeah, but then that's goes back to a blur and whatever the english music scene is so fast yeah it is incredibly fast it's right. not last no, and the club scene if you're lucky you'll get one good summer 
or one year or something at the most. Yeah, you are right. Then it, like, yeah. Because people in England are very snobbish about their music. The time to like a band is when no one's heard of it. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, I saw them before their first album came out. The thing, great thing in England is when you meet other people and they say, what are you listening to? The thing is to say the name of a band that nobody's heard of. <laughs> like, that is the yeah, ultimate. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm listening to ZX Spectrum and the Funky Ashtrays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're pretty good, you know. And, oh, yeah, and if you don't know what you're talking about, you sort of go, oh, I think I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then the worst thing that can happen is fucking one of them assholes on BBC radio will play it and then, you know, it'll become a thing. And then by the time a band has its second album out, which will be its hit album, that, like the people who were into them before will be out. They'd have cashed out by then. Like, no, nah, yeah. they're too commercial. On to the yeah. next thing. Then that's when bands get really big, isn't it? Like Coldplay or whatever, you know, when that second album hits. Yeah. And they become mainstream. Yes, well. Yeah. Sharing information. Yeah. Because it's so random because you don't know when somebody's going to receive the information or how they're going to perceive yeah. it. Yeah. But when you do listen to it, yeah, we just. You know, you're like part of a sequence of events. Mm -hmm. We just had a small technical hiccup where Craigbot left, so the recording will be slightly interrupted, but we're picking up again, talking about music still. And, and of course, you know, we're all music lovers here, so this is why we're talking so much about music. Um, it's not like... It's not like it's all a tool of mind control. You were saying, James, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, there's those moments, you know, you get like discovering a new band that you like as, you know, that's one of those moments that um, is special in life because you're finding something that speaks to you on a certain level that's, you know, kind of transcends words in a way like you can't really describe why this certain music affects you the way it does. But nonetheless, you know, it does. Yeah. And there's people when you, I mean, especially music without words in a way, but words too, you know, it depends you know, to a degree, but words start to mess things up. Um, music yeah. words, as, as your real kind of like intent, you're much nearer to the soul and uh, well, theoretically much nearer to some sort of truth because you've got a, communicate in a different way you know it's it's uh, and the notes aren't clouding the issue if you get it right it goes straight through you know and yeah, so you're getting this, you know. part of your personality as well yeah well it's kind of almost like you're getting at the mystery in yourself and passing it on <laughs> yeah. and it transcends a lot of the shit in the end it transcends a lot of this a lot of talking going on blah, blah, blah. i can't remember who said this um, uh, Cal, I can't remember it. It was a philosopher. He said, "When you visit a new city in a different country for the first time, 
you discover a past about yourself that you didn't know you had. I think it's a bit similar when you discover new music. It allows, it sort of opens up, you know, because it does resonate with you. So you feel like you should know this or you knew it from somewhere before or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's certain, certain bands I've, I've discovered where I'm like, um, you know, I think to myself, how could I have ever lived without hearing this? You know, it's, it just fits right in to wherever I'm at in my life. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a strange kind of connection. Yes, that's what everybody who goes to a Brian Cox live show feels. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, hallucinating on the hive mind, bringing consciousness and awareness. Smoking DMT in the front row at a Brian Cox show. I imagine it's for children, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it could be. The man off the telly. Yeah, it's a man off the telly, isn't it? That's why people go. Yeah, and it's probably, I mean, maybe it's his mates are saying, come on, Brian, come on, let's do another tour. Come on, you're famous now. We'll get some money. You know, can't leave yeah, us. Sure. Feels obliged to his mates for helping him out then. Also, music's something uh, you can't explain, is it? Right. Well, vibrations. We don't. We can. We can. We can explain everything. We're great at explaining shit. Doesn't mean that we understand it anymore. So I mean, but, uh, but you can't. It's not something <laughs> you can. There's no logic or reason to explain why you like it or why it resonates with you. Which is good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's not like you can. You can't reason it down. It's just a gut right. feeling, which is. It's important. sort of like comedy in that way. Either you get it or you don't. I've got to explain it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, that's no, good. So, I don't want it to be. And there's so much of it now. I mean, there is really, you know, just great things going on with music. And, uh, Ways. So much of it. Yeah, right. But in the end, okay. Listen to it all. <clears throat> yeah, this idea that, you know, musicians become vastly rich and famous and is, you know, still a relatively new thing. Um, so, new. <laughs> I suppose you could go back to Beethoven as being the start of all that shit, but it took a while down, a while to trickle down, didn't it? You know, until you know, uh, until you too can be Beethoven, because mm. you know it took a quite an education to become a composer. But composers were getting that kind of adoration. Yeah. Yeah, there might be many princes, but there's only one Beethoven. I wonder what prince would have thought of that. <laughs> it's <laughs> really changed his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but this, like, you know, it's become, because of mechanical royalties and all this stuff, yeah, that enabled that suddenly to happen. And there's still posters. Who put that? Did someone put up a great poster somewhere about, you know, the musicians... Um, Try and stop the copyright law coming in. 
uh, trying no trying to stop phonographs and recorded you know things coming in yeah they got the copyright law out of it so to speak but it's not the same before that if you wanted music you had to get some musicians to play it you had to pay them yeah. even if it was only you know i don't be dreadful wouldn't it if like you wanted to listen to black sabbath and you had to get them around yeah right <laughs> <laughs> look can you play me some black sabbath oh, i'm sorry it's the wrong kind of loot you know yeah. <laughs> but we can do a nice version <laughs> we'll do our best queen queen <laughs> why not well it's very yeah. it's it, it's Got very experience <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be very expensive, you know, to pirate a vinyl record. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to like rip it, you know, and and press it up and pay for the the pressing and all that. That um people have done that, though, don't they? They bring out bootlegs of things. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like definitely. And, and, you know. Right. But yeah, it's it, it's there's so much less effort involved nowadays where you can just rip something off YouTube and make it an MP3 and distribute it if you want to. You don't need to distribute it because everyone goes on YouTube. And it's just there's no need to distribute anything, is there? Well, yeah, yeah. It's the source is is open. Well, I think I think a lot of artists are catching on to that too. Is like, well, just post it up for free on YouTube and you know we'll make most of our money from touring because well like i say over here in europe um youtube pay right so if you if you get any of your songs if you if you you know songs out there and you've uh, you've got the rights to them then youtube pay so they're starting to pay so it yeah, would be if yeah. i should sit here feeding it feeding youtube it's true because <laughs> they um they strike they take down videos that use music without permission don't they yeah yeah, so yeah. In you, Europe. yeah yeah if you did a youtube rant about something and then we're playing you know an oasis track at the beginning that would get taken down because you didn't ask for permission yeah but now now it won't get taken down and oasis will get something for it but it's got to be it must say he's i don't know it's difficult the rules there you have to be careful you know i don't exactly know how they do all that but yeah. now the idea is so before things used to get taken down not uh not actually by the not actually by the royalty collectors but by uh, the record companies usually to, to add them and then uh, and then but now it can all run and they collect money for it so you just doesn't matter anymore yeah yeah so there's any, a whole new there's a whole new like licensing structure I'm not in the industry, so I don't really know what I'm talking about. There's this company, The Orchard, uh, The Orchard Music, which licenses a lot of songs to YouTube, where people can post them up and just, you know... Like uh, ones you're allowed to use. Yeah, yeah, include the proper tag to say, you know, this is licensed by The Orchard, whatever, and and the bands have already licensed their songs to The Orchard, and then they license that to YouTube. You know wow. things like that it's, incremental yeah it's very like you know well, the, the, you, you, second third fourth party type stuff yeah right well over here it's just blanket i think so they've got this deal and then and if you if your songs are up there they you'll get royalties for them not much but you get something so you know yeah 
it's a good event, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely a thing. Like you know, I hesitate. Oftentimes, when I'm editing, you know, these shows together, I hesitate to use licensed music um, just because I don't know what kind of implications might arise from that. But being that our distribution is what it is, uh, I don't think we have much to worry about <laughs> as far as so. you know, playing playing tunes on a on a MP3 or whatever. Just I use um, Podbean to listen to podcasts. <clears throat> And the last two ACI um, shows have zero listens. So, yeah, no one's. I don't never sign in. Do you sign in? I, hey, I put up a favorite. I went and signed in and put in favorite. Really? So there should be one favorite there. But that's my way of tracking them. Then I can find them easy. Oh, no, it wasn't Podbean. I'm totally I know it wasn't, I know it wasn't Podbean. Um, I was archive.com.org. Oh, no, I'm talking about iTunes. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. I don't think anybody's going to be chasing you, James. If we suddenly go viral, we'll just have to backtrack quick. <laughs> I think it's funny. It's probably not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Kelly, uh, Kellyto over there in Scotland has been doing some work with getting us on uh, different podcast services. Um, but at a certain point, you know, you got to pay to be on these services. So, yeah. Like I don't actually log into iTunes. I just use it for listening to music. But you can go through if you're online. You can go through the podcasts and listen to them without having to sign in or anything. I found ACI on there. Yep, yep. That's that's. If we can keep it Kelly. zero. Maybe we'll get somewhere with some sort of record. Who's There's going? Russell, in? original simulant has joined. I don't know if he can hear us or not. But. It's like a police, one of those police <laughs> interviews, isn't it? <laughs> For the benefit of the tape. <laughs> Original <laughs> simulant has just joined in the room. He's probably just listening. Probably driving home. Oh, wait a minute. The play count might be my play count. The actual amount of play. Oh, just <laughs> iTunes. See, I I really I despise just... I despise iTunes as an application. I think it's a horrible piece of software. It's not user friendly at all. <laughs> not for the PC, it isn't. No. Just use it as a music player in my. Computer. Yeah, just just the way that it it it, had, it like copies everything into your library. Yeah, that's fucking annoying, isn't it? It's so stupid. It find just everything. just play it. Yeah, it's like just play it from where it is. Why do you have to make a second copy? Of it? No, it's I don't get it. <laughs> they make it. Yeah, maybe they may make it a second copy for themselves. Do you think? I mean, Windows Media Player is is better than iTunes as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I also use VLC. VLC is a good. Uh... VLC opens the parts of the. Programs cannot reach. Hello? Hello? That was weird. Do you remember that? I'd accidentally pressed play on the ACI, the last one, and Sim started talking, (laughs) but about something really random. I thought it joined the call. It's like, what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) Talking about Easter eggs. 
Easter eggs. Okay. I don't know. Turn it off quick. <laughs> well, there's nice no ACIs out there in the world waiting for random people to discover it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's the great thing about it. This is you put you publish however small you publish. It's there. And then you kind of like, oh, okay, what are the forces that, that pick things? And I pick things. I go around looking for things sometimes for something, you know, or sometimes you know, it's film music or something. You were looking for someone. We want someone, you know, and you go around looking, you know, hear a name. Well, let's see. And you go on YouTube. Let's see what they're like. These days, you know, it's in the, even before we go to Warwick Folk Festival, you know, you check out the bands. You can see what they look like. So, yeah, it is yeah, a form is. of promotion. It's self-promotion. It works. It is, yeah. The way we do it right now is very random. You know, posting to archive.org is not a good way to get exposure. But at this I point, think the none... kids are big on archive.org. <laughs> <laughs> but... is, that, is, is that high up our priority list? <laughs> Have we even got a priority I mean, list? <laughs> That's what I like. You know, none of us sounds... have. None of us have uh, been willing to front the cost of a. Um, a ho proper hosting service you know podcast distribution service so we're kind of just doing it uh the free way right now no, right either that either the handlers cough up or you know sod it <laughs> yeah we're about where, where's our fucking donors right i know we've been doing this for a long time i haven't had anyone mysterious approach me yet <laughs> <laughs> and i thought well, you better up your game. I guess we've got to make better content, more, you know, explosive, controversial content to where people actually want to pay for it. Yeah. Does anyone want to pay? Outrageous. pay it. Yeah, I mean, it's a good gig, isn't it, getting money for talking? Oh, God, yeah. I suppose. But um, especially when you've not really studied for it, you know, like my wife gets gets gigs. She gets paid for talking, but I've seen the amount of work that's gone into this. You know, this is serious work. Yeah. Uh, serious study. This is something else. This is organized learning, you know. Um, uh, nah. And just be able to kind of roll up and kind of do a podcast and get millions of hits. That must be really annoying for some people. We don't, so it's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, everyone and their brother has a podcast at this point, so it's kind of like, yeah, it's it's sort of a part-time job to really, you know, put yourself out there and promote it. Yeah, and it's got these forms that, have, of, that everybody sort of takes on, you know? Um, everybody sort of takes on automatically. Like, it's not going to work unless you do it this way with your introduction and you a snazzy bit of music at the beginning, like the, this is this is the form, you know, mm -hmm. and yeah. then and then we do this and then we do that and we have little bits in the middle, you know, uh, little items of recurring items so people know where they are and little segments, of yeah, yeah, guests, yeah. yeah, and also somehow you have, within that you have to sort of make the audience feel like they're part of it somehow. Yes. Like it's yes. for them. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. not just you rambling on. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's that's exactly that's exactly the thing, you know. When it gets interesting is when you actually forget that Craig's there, when you forget there's an audience there. 
And that's when it kind of gets interesting, yeah? Um, to a degree, you kind right. of, you know? Well, other, it's either that or like you're working off um, a page of notes that you've taken beforehand. Exactly. You know, as, as though you go into it with an agenda, which we never do. Um, but I enjoy that aspect, you know, not having an agenda. Yeah, exactly. I even find it difficult to even go into Google. I mean, you know, while we're talking, I think I don't want to do that. And, That's uh, distracting, isn't it? Yeah, somehow. You're trying to get at something else, I think. Not, uh, if, if only you kind of, well, this is what three people talking sound like normally, okay? Just, just as a, a balance to all those other sort of super casual podcasts out there, you know? Yeah, just the flow of conversation. This know, it's is... not like we've worked out bits beforehand. We haven't got like, um, we're not trying to hit a deadline or something or uh, yeah. Like this is what. Well, by the way, minutes. by the way, we are we are sponsored by Dreamweaver mattresses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, that's a deal you've been making there, James. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what kind of obligations you've got. <laughs> Fair enough, but you know, just for the record. <laughs> but what this is, I tell you what this is. This is what no agenda really sounds like. <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's, I don't, I mean, I guess mattresses are something that everyone needs, but I just find it funny that a lot of podcasts are sponsored by mattress companies. <laughs> are they? I've never noticed. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I guess, you know, a lot of people listen to podcasts while they're laying in, uh, so maybe that has something. Yeah, maybe it's because they're sleepless. It's people, when they get up at three o'clock in the morning, they go on the conspiracy theory sites and, and the, the forbidden sites, you know. And it's like they know, ah, you're not sleeping well, huh? Three o'clock in the morning, huh? <laughs> <laughs> are there lots of mattress adverts on porn sites too? Probably are. <laughs> we'll never know. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, if one of our listeners could leave a super chat to tell us if there are, that would be great. <laughs> Do some audience research. No, it's mostly Kelly like, does um, the porn research over here, doesn't she? Yeah, probably. I think she does. Um, yeah. It's mostly like a comedy podcasts that I listen to that are sponsored by mattress. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly the comedians out there because every every comedian nowadays has their own podcast. Yeah, I used to listen to um, Bill Burr. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he was always. He used to do the reads of the ads, but like really take the piss out of the reads. Yeah. It was always for like, um, like stamps.com <laughs> or like mm -hmm. some shitty underwear or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Real like low level. Yeah, he's, uh, like, uh, he's a great, wow. yeah, the way he does his ads is fucking great. And I think, you know, his sponsors probably want that you know <laughs> yeah yeah because maybe in a way you pay more attention to it because right. kind of taking the just take the it. piss out of it completely yeah yeah it's either that or you know beg for donations but um i don't think any of us are going to do that anytime soon what beg <laughs> yeah oh you mean online begging like super chats and things 
<laughs> no. Description model. The what model? Description model. Mm. Value for value. Like, you really appreciate what we do, so might as well give us some money. We're going to do it anyway, so. Yeah, nevertheless, it's out there for free, so it's <laughs> it's like putting it the on the listener. Like, yeah, it's up to you. you know, it's yeah. up to you. You no might, we're we're gonna try and make you feel a little bit guilty if you don't donate. <laughs> but we aren't gonna tell you where to donate or how to donate or anything else. <laughs> so, so what are we doing? <laughs> here's the deal, right? Our, our, here's the ethos of this: is like we're telling you the mainstream media is lying to you, right? Yeah. yeah. It's messing with your mind. You've got to turn it off. You know, it's all fake news. Listen to us into bed because we're like alternative media. But actually, what we do but, is but, read the real news to you, for you. <laughs> Even though we've told you not to listen to the real news, but you can pay us to read the real news to you to give you our version of it. But you don't go looking at it yourselves. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Just right, listen right. to our but, version. Yeah, it's like. But you already knew that it was all lies, and that's why you're listening to us in the first place. So, uh... <laughs> so let us tell you once more why it's all. Because <laughs> guess what? They're at it again this week too. Yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> I, thought, I really thought last week. I thought that's it. Now I thought that's it's gone. That's it. I really thought. exposed. Yeah. Uh, you think they would just roll over in embarrassment? Yeah. You know. CNBC, ABN. How about that? How about that Fox News, everybody? How about Fox oh. News? Oh my goodness! Oh. Oh. Russ just uh, original simulant just posted an image there in our Discord chat where it's a uh, uh, Fox Ten from Phoenix, Arizona, posted an image uh, where the caption is "Impeachment hoax." President Trump unloads during Oval Office news conference. <laughs> <laughs> his hands under the table. Yeah, very nice. Even Fox News is saying impeachment hoax. Wow. How about that? Well, it's if it if it suits them, fine. If it suits them, everybody's up for a hoax, you know? The, the, all sides have got agreed upon hoaxes. Uh, it's the flavor of the day. Yeah. Yeah, sure. But that doesn't mean that people are going to, you know, <laughs> you've still got to draw the line somewhere. Then it's kind of like you have to have your list of priorities. Just like there's, you know, a sort of pyramid of minorities too. You know? It's like the no, minority. No one's talking about yellow face. No one's talking about yellow face. No. <laughs> right. I'm I know. To get it offending, but it's, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. That's what I mean, and things like that. So there are, yeah, <laughs> hierarchies in all this. Hierarchies. Oh, I just woke up. I was sleeping on my Dreamweaver mattress. Bing. Oh, good. Man. Did you have nice dreams? Was it was it good? Uh, Did you dream was... about impeachment and UFO invasions? <laughs> <laughs> Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> The question is, were your dreams woven together? <laughs> Old Navajo rug.
Iranian UFOs. <laughs> Hell yeah. Was it Iranian UFOs that shot down that plane? Yeah. Mind-controlled UFOs. Well, the main thing is, don't forget, we can take you out wherever you are with a drone. Oh, yeah, sure. We just get a kid on a joystick and they take you out. That is, dude. What a sham. These guys, they can't even... They've got a million, two million people over there or something, supposedly. They can't even defeat 30,000, you know, guys. Give me a break. And yet they can... Uh, Yet they can target them with the joystick or something. What a joke. They can't even do that without killing a wedding party. You know? Exactly. They can't <laughs> even that's... finish Final Fantasy 3. Start <laughs> 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 the puzzle. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, that was a really obscure video game reference. I'm impressed. Thank you. <laughs> Let's keep it topical. weird actually because i was reading i've been reading um uh, you know dickens because it's christmas so i was still like to read a bit of dickens and unfortunately i picked a really big one so i'm still reading it even though i started it in december <laughs> but last night he was talking about drones that's so weird reading dickens writing about drones is he talking about a cathedral or something or bagpipes he's talking about bees Bees, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but the way that he was expressing course, oh, yes. his little story about them, of course, now when you hear the word drone, we have this whole military concept of what they are. So that was in my mind as I'm reading it. But he was describing drone bees. It was, um, yeah, it's kind of weird. But um, then you realize. For all its technical possibility, they had to fucking name it after something out of nature, didn't they? The drone. <laughs> you know, because the drone bee is the one that doesn't collect any pollen or honey. So it has no function in terms of... I see. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, I like the drone. It's just a worker bee sort of thing, yeah? Well, it's the one who gets to bang the queen. Yeah. Oh right, really? <laughs> is that the the bang? Is that the pun? Yeah. Well, that could be a metaphor for you know blowing up an Iranian or something, you know, or trigger, whatever. Yeah, it's quite a sick sort of metaphor, really, isn't it? But yeah. you called it something else. Yeah, what would you call it? I'm sure you did. A, a bit. I know they should just make something modern up, like a whole new word because it's a whole new thing, isn't it? I think they go for something for even more of a euphemism as well, even more sort of innocuous sounding. Yeah, sort of yeah, because dildos are already taken, so they have to put up. <laughs> well, just just it's the way that dr drones are so commercially available, like. Anybody can buy a drone nowadays and they can mount a camera on it, or maybe it already has a camera uh, included in the package. Yeah. And it's just very weird to me, like, why people would want to do this, like, <clears throat> you know, just fly drones everywhere. It's, um, 
it doesn't seem very cool, you know. Oh, for filmmakers, it's brilliant. Right. I mean, for filmmakers, all of a sudden, oh, oh yeah, anybody can make suddenly... something that starts this. It looks like the beginning of, of um, you know, a Stanley Kubrick film, you know. Yeah, well, where, <laughs> where you used to need to hire a helicopter. Yeah, the helicopter just, shots. Yeah. Now you can just have a drone and, you know, shoot an awesome music video with a yeah. cheap digital camera. And, and that, that aspect is cool, but why people would want to well, fly these around their you know, it's beyond me. I'd... Oh, no, I understand yeah. that. Your neighbors, see what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. When I was a kid, a friend of mine, I still have a friend of mine, well, at least digitally, and we would be a five or six, and his dad, he used to have model airplanes, you know, but the ones with a proper little engine in them, dangerous little buggers, and he'd have to start, and he'd splutter, and he'd have to flick the propeller around, you know, you know, and uh, you got your finger in there, it was gone. And then he'd get this thing up, and he had some sort of radio control, yeah, but he had to sort of take it off and land it, and it always, well, no, sometimes he yeah. did it. Yeah. And he, that was his hobby, that was what he did on a Saturday afternoon. Right. Those guys. Yeah. Perfectly level flight is the goal of all radio airplane hobbyists. I mean, these <laughs> days, they've got these small things, they're amazing, they do acrobatics in the sky in a very small space, don't they? They're like, a real small version of that. His was like, you know, kind of an American car of a thing. It was a really big baby, you know, kind of, I don't know. But like, there's <laughs> no... Need there's no and... It has a it's real like motor there. in it, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember. Who had, uh, he was a hobbyist. He had a whole attic full of, yeah, a whole attic full of those things. It was really cool. They're enormous. I mean, some of them are yeah. enormous, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Several, you know, feet long, several feet long, not, yeah, not yeah, 50 right. feet long, but yeah, no, but four up to four or five feet, really large, yeah. Well, like, there's no practical reason to have a drone unless you're a professional photographer or like filmmaker. Um, as far as I can tell, you know, in my eyes, like, there's no reason to have a drone unless you're in that kind of business of uh, photography. But um, just to have it as a hobby, fly it around, and it's it's just fucking weird, dude. I don't. <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah. The world is weird. About yeah. drones. Yeah. But then I kind of got over it. But they are weird. The people like, uh, you know, the surveillance aspect of it. it's bizarre. But then they also can distribute uh, or serve as like. Um, transponders for cellular signal and all that kind of shit too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. all over the place yeah. doing all kinds of shit. Well, there was one case here locally where, uh, some, some like mentally handicapped person escaped, um, walked away from his like halfway house or whatever. He was out there in the forest and the local, uh, dispatched a drone to locate him, found him and brought him back to safety. Uh, so it's things like that, you know, there's some practical application for it, um, but, you know, at the same time, it's like, people don't really need these things. <laughs> well, if you start off with that criteria. <laughs> <laughs> You're just going to make people want them now. <laughs> hey, you don't need these. What? I'll take three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and how many other things? You don't need it, but it's fucking at it. cool. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't need it. That's true. 
And and yeah, what happens when you crash it? You know, that's what like three hundred bucks down the hole when you I crash it. You can buy the latest metal one. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine they get better like every day. There's probably a new. I only ever see them in the park. Day. I've never seen anybody deliver it. I've never seen them used for anything. Have you seen them used for anything here? Out and about delivering packages for Amazon. Uh-oh. You no, can't I do that in the city, can you? I wouldn't have thought so. I'd be, there'd be an underground takedown, the drone groups springing up all over the place. It'd be a good, good sort of form of sport for young kids, you know? Take the drone out. <laughs> I mean, the Google cars get enough grief. Model rockets when you're started. Mm. What do you say? Rockets. Yeah, it's, Straight in yeah. through the window for your order. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of like just an evolution. Yeah. Uh, But you need a model moon for them to land on. That's what I'm Of the model of the moon. So you can fake the landing to film it and say you did actually land on it. (laughs) It's getting very macro now. (laughs) First drone on the moon. That's my prediction. Yeah, that's Anyone nice. Anyone want, like want to take money on that one? First on the hey, it should be obvious. You send up a satellite. You don't need a manned spacecraft now. You just send up a satellite full of drones, and off they go exploring. What fun. Mm-hmm. Could you fly a drone in space? I guess that's the question. Well, you should be able to fly it on the moon. Shouldn't you, if they can hop around on there and play golf? Um... Can you fly a drone? That'll be one for Brian Cox. Can you fly a drone on Mars, Brian? This is. Moon seems very bright. Can you some sort of sunglasses? I think this problem is they need some kind of. You need maybe you need wireless LAN or something up there first. Has the moon got wireless LAN? Really. Could call from space. They called the White House from space. Yeah, that's true. Or the White House called them. I mean, that's a telephonic signal. Is a, a radio wave. Wi-Fi is a radio wave. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's the same. I'm sure it's, uh, you know, six of one. Hmm. <laughs> About the vision for space exploration. The uh, President Bush's uh, return to space plan. How none of those goals have been realized yet, and they were for like 2020 man on the moon. No, <laughs> yeah, you've got a long memory, you've got to do something about that. <laughs> Forget about all that stuff. Why are you bringing up old shit? You know, mm. <laughs> like, why are you bringing up you, Glacier? We've already glacier moved that, they've already moved the dates to 2024, and you should stay updated. By 2024, we were supposed to be on Mars. Really? Well, not we, not me and you. I thought Brad Pitt's somebody. already been. Brad Pitt's already been there. Matt Damon. Brad Pitt Matt Damon's been there. Oh, Matt Damon! I was one of them. Yeah. I knew it was one of them. Yeah. Which was? Didn't that movie win the comedy film, or is that just taking the piss? Have you heard about that? Martian, the movie, or the yeah, the movie, The Martian, right? Uh, with Matt Damon. Let me see this. I, I think it was it was like nominated in the comedy category at the Academy Awards. <laughs> I have not heard about that, no. 
Let me see. I, Wouldn't surprise chances, me, I, don't, I never really looked into it. From The Verge, The Martian won the Golden Globe for Best Comedy. <laughs> That's a lie. I think so. <laughs> but somebody thought it was funny. And corruption. The Golden Globes are a sham. A combination of desperation and corruption that gets wrapped up into nonsensical display of self-indulgence. But Otherwise, sometimes things like happen that can surprise you. Like when the yeah, Martian won for think... Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. <laughs> <laughs> musical or Comedy. The Martian with Matt Damon wins. Terrific. Well, there you go. Another injustice. Yet another injustice in a world full of injustice. It might be funny. I don't know. It might, I don't know. I haven't seen it. But... I thought it was about a guy stranded on Mars who kind of somehow makes potatoes out of his shit. It is. It is. Golden Globes changed comedy rules after controversial win for The Martian. This is from The Guardian. <laughs> what? Really? It sounds like... With the most high-profile award ceremonies is to change rules following controversy over science fiction film Epic. The Martians' victory in the best comedy or musical section in January from 2016. Ironic. Well, it could be a comedy. I mean, it was a comedy. It's the idea that you could Gold. go to Mars. Oh, yeah. Like the concept. A comedy or a musical. I just don't understand how those two categories can merge, really. Comedy or musical. Uh, it, it seems like they're fairly distinct. You know, it's either one or the other. Because musicals yeah. aren't fun, and comedies are usually not musical. Mm. <laughs> in fact, in Wait, fact, the I... musicals were funny, like the Bob, the the Road films, Bob Hope, you know, maybe <laughs> stuff like that. But you put up with the singing, though, didn't you, for the comedy bits in the middle? Because there was nothing else on to watch. So sometimes I'd watch one of them. But, oh, here they go singing again, and that was, that was why Monty Python was so. Uh, brilliant when the, in life you know what was it on the holy grail yeah when the <laughs> the prince starts singing and his king runs none of that none of that stop it stop it stop it <laughs> every time the musical start the music starts to swell up and you think no no he's gonna fucking sing i remember there's a kid switching channels between the two channels looking for something else oh western good and then you know top and then suddenly they start singing oh no <laughs> you know not a musical and I like music, but uh, not musicals. It's just, I don't know, there's no drama involved. Unless, it, sometimes it can work, but it's just, I can't start singing. Well, they were still trying to force, like, theatre into the cinema, weren't they? They were sort of integrating it to get people used to the cinema. Like, it's like going to a show, but it's on a screen instead. Yeah, you're probably right. I imagine. I never thought about it before, but I don't. Is lame as a comedy? It's hilarious. Yeah. Well, about the misery of the. You speak French. It's brilliant. So yeah. So many one-liners. Um, the Golden Globe is <laughs> a bit judgy, isn't it? I've never seen it. I've never, I've never seen, seen it, it either. But I think it's an award show, right? Yeah, yeah. It runs for ages and ages. You know, It runs all over the world constantly. But then it's a bit antithetical to the current climate where people are supposed to be accepted for who they are and what they do. And, but 
to say that someone's the best at something that's the opposite of that isn't it <laughs> i mean the opposite of Brotherhood, yeah, quality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, well, the values of the French Revolution. Discuss. Uh, I don't think there were any, were there? <laughs> I would say that, being a medievalist. <laughs> yeah. That's that's when things really started to go wrong. Oh, actually, before that, it started to go wrong, didn't it? Especially from a royalist point of view, this was a real headache, wasn't it, for a while? Did you guys, uh, speaking of Golden Globes, did you guys see the latest from Ricky Gervais at the latest Golden Globes? No, oh, is he, is I've never back? seen the Golden Globes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, he was hosting it, and um, his intro monologue, he basically just roasted everyone in the audience viciously. Yeah, yeah, he always does. Yeah, yeah. Like but this one, this one was particularly funny. I thought. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of award shows or Ricky Gervais even, but um, he did a very good, he did a very good roast there. I think. Is it traditional now the roast? I guess so. Yeah. Because yeah. they keep. It, it was back. funny just to see the like the audience react when. When the camera would pan to certain celebrities, and you know, some were laughing and some were just looking around, like, uh, "Okay, is this really happening?" <laughs> he was, uh, he was vicious, no holds barred. Come on, give us an example. Uh, I can't right now, but it's not fresh in my memory. But just look it up uh, Ricky Gervais Golden Globes 2020. It's funny, man. Uh... I'm going to guess that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won Best Picture. Yeah, I, I don't even know that much. But, um, yeah, he definitely talked about that. Really? <laughs> Tarantino was there, of course. Everyone. Yeah, well, isn't it just De Niro uh, himself on the back? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, pretty much industry saying look haven't we done a brilliant job this year yeah, yeah. Mm. and to yeah. sort of differentiate themselves from the oscars they don't they, they're sort of they're trying to be cool we don't buy into all that sort of like aren't we wonderful darling shit so you know we know we're trash so let's just keep it <laughs> yeah, yeah let's give ourselves a roasting yeah. that'll, that'll then people will like us you know yeah yeah if we criticize ourselves heavier than anyone else then they'll leave us alone i don't know yeah, it's a sort of yeah weird idea, isn't it? Award ceremony things shows. Well, yeah, but uh, it's theatre, so sure, it's, yeah, not really, so. it's not really, really weird. What can we do? Entertainment. Yeah, we got to flag up. We need to. I mean, it's a brilliant way of showcasing all of the, the up and coming films of the year. You know, even if you don't get picked, you can make quite a lot of publicity if your film's good. By you know, why weren't you picked? You know, so oh, yeah. it's, it's just generally good good business, isn't it? Oh yeah, I imagine it just creates a a bit of a bump in viewing of those movies again. And yeah, and they like to cause a stir or what they think's a stir regularly. You know, in some way or another. <laughs> You know, 
They're actors, directors, they know how to cause a stir. Can certainly make a scene. <laughs> you wouldn't expect anything less, would you? Come on, guys, act for me. It's like this thing in England with the royal prince. <laughs> Another prince. <laughs> How, how you know, you know how it's going really to the timetable, you know, poof, and then the, the election, and poof, and now Brexit's over, and poof, and, you know, they quiet it all down, and poof, straight in with the royal story, and get everybody kind of emotionally involved with that. Yeah, that's hilarious. That is. Yeah. The whole thing about that, it's just like I don't know. I fuss about nothing. Yeah. It's bizarre. It's hype, isn't it? Yeah, it's but it gets it's it's good on an emotional level for all sorts of things. Yeah. It makes people think they've got an opinion they didn't know they had five minutes before. Well, in a way, they, they do the information. Yeah, yeah it's, it's family. It's young and old. It's duty and freedom. It's it's, it's the you know twenty first century and the twentieth century. It's it's. Uh, Royals and all oh, this kind of shit. Yeah. Like uh, Ricky Gervais even made a Epstein joke in his opening monologue <laughs> at the Golden Globes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So did Frankie Boyle. Oh well, yeah. I would expect Frankie, Frankie, Frankie Boyle to do that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he had a show, you know, looking back at 2012, and he's still pushing shit. But yeah, that was his opening thing. Was um, 2012 was a shit year, and Epstein didn't kill himself, something like that, you know. And he went up on the screen. Maybe, maybe he's, first... has yeah. anyone been to Epstein Island? Maybe he's there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he is. Seemed the obvious place to look, wasn't it? Engraved in stone. Yeah. I mean. Did he ever exist? Nice. It's getting there now. You're already drilling down on the truth now, Matty. Yeah, skipped about 300 levels and went straight there. Exactly. <laughs> and then back to the prince. So the royal family are really earning their money at the moment, kind of, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they're really good. Whatever's going on, nobody's looking at it. They're really well, good for the, it. Uh, Hilarious sort of headline thing, and it said that the Queen didn't even know that they were going to make this decision. <laughs> I thought, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. We'll that one up. That's yeah. just perfect. Because uh, how many kind of yeah. old nans are out there, you know, and the first day oh, hear of it, it's on God. social media. I didn't yeah. know you were gay. <laughs> what did yeah, you tell I mean, me first? It's like that, isn't it? <laughs> so funny. Wait, the, the Queen didn't know what? I missed it. <laughs> that Harry and Meghan were leaving. They're leaving? They're leaving the family or what? Oh, that's, yeah. They're, they're it's striking oh, out. Really? They, posted, they posted this thing saying they wanted to kind of slowly, yeah. <laughs> they wanted to live off their own money and they wanted to spend a lot of time in Canada and they were out of it and they'd had enough of the, you know? media oh. 
Well, you know, there's this whole backstory of Diana being hounded by the media, and she mm -hmm. and they, they, these poor kids, you know, they had to walk behind the funeral procession, you know. Hmm. And uh, yeah, because so, yeah, I, I saw this one thing where Harry was uh, making some, I guess, uh, uh, ambiguous comments about like if you knew what I know, then blah blah blah, something like that. But so you're saying now that that Harry is actually distance, distancing himself from the whole family altogether. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're not really because they're keeping their house. And well, of course, going to be like Commonwealth because they're supposed to be the face of the Commonwealth now. They've actually been they following they... me and my wife around because they were in Barbados a little bit before us. And we saw the house where they <laughs> stayed. And they went to Canada this last year, same as we did. Oh, yeah. It's like, hang on a minute. This but is strange. The, it is a bit strange. But, um, yeah, they've I wonder set if that up has anything... foundation. Well, we all know about foundations, don't we? Yeah, pretty straightforward. I, I can't imagine you can actually leave the royal family. Of course you can't. That's why it's baloney. It's fucking bollocks. Here's my here's my quick hot take. Well, you know, you can do it you can do a Duke of Windsor. I mean, they've done it before. Yeah. Diana did it, didn't she? Like, yeah, and and, and uh, Edward the Edward the Fucking eighth, Edward the eighth, Edward the seventh, Edward the eighth. I don't know, two, didn't he? Yeah. Duke of Windsor, then you know. And I, they I'll... made um, Andrew's wife do it, didn't they? they? Fucking sent her off to America. Like, off you go now. Yeah. You've had your children. You can yeah. leave. Yeah, I, I was going to say, fucking I, horrible. You know. I wonder uh, if this has anything to do with the whole Prince Andrew debacle, no. as related to Epstein. But, Not at uh, all. What here's my hot take is that it's time to focus on the real royal family, which is William and Kate and their children, because that is right. the future of the Windsors. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, as far as PR goes, they've got the best look in the media. No, he's going to be king, basically. Right. You know, and his daughters are princesses. So King Bill. Yeah. So that <laughs> and that's gonna be soon, you know. So they've gotta really be focused on that. So they're gonna they're phasing them out, you mean? That's all that's happening. But they're just being phased out so they can yeah. just focus on the actual the new royal family for twenty thirty. Get, get uh yeah, get Andrew and Harry on the side, you know, let them do their own little thing. Exactly. Yeah. you're never going to get the real reason in the media maybe they just make it into this big conspiracy lark as if the queen it's such didn't a weird, know it's such a weird paradigm for Americans to understand because we haven't grown up under this sort of monarchy so it's it's just a very it's almost like a reality show you know for us Americans to try and even understand all this shit <laughs> Do you think it's not any different growing up in it? You also think, uh -huh. yeah. Also, technically, <laughs> Harry might not actually be a Windsor anyway. So, 
Yeah, exactly. This is what's going uh, on too. Yeah. Why is yeah. that? Because Diana was his mother or what? Yeah, that's no doubt about that. It's she was definitely his mom. mom. That's who his father was. His oh. father was probably Captain James. What's his name? Can't remember now. Oh, so his father wasn't Charles? No. Let's face it. Oh, see, I didn't let's, know that. Let's, you know, forgive me, but I'm going to use the G word. You know, he's a ginger. He's a ginger. <laughs> Which, ironically, yeah, ironically, all the kings of England were. Ironically, all the kings of England were. Yeah, that's 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 where he went. He, yeah, he was cursed from birth, obviously. Was, yeah. yeah. But my theory is that's a throwback to real genetic royalty because all the kings were redheads at the beginning. Oh, oh see, see, I thought that William and Harry were both uh, fathered by Charles. Oh, I mean, Apparently William. That's sure. maybe not the case. Harry's, that's always been well debatable. <laughs> ah, I see. Plus nobody likes nobody likes his wife either. <laughs> Whose wife? Charles well, he's yeah. I mean, no, he's Harry. a ginger and and married Harry. a half black woman. I mean, a he's ginger Harry. and a half black woman in the family. No, that doesn't work, does it? Nothing to do with that. It's just that she's quite sort of arrogant and annoying. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, she's she not as have a very nice. Kate. No, she doesn't have a very particularly good personality i think <laughs> cut out for the job let's just put it like that well and he did the whole thing where he dressed up as a nazi halloween party so but that's that's a plus, <laughs> a plus. <laughs> almost right there it was like yes future king but he had that in the bank. It never turns yeah. out well. There's always a woman yeah. comes and fucks that up, mate. Don't worry. Exactly. <laughs> he let that slide. Yeah, yeah, well. If he'd married some like German or Swedish princess or something, it'd be all right. But nope. He had to go fishing in the wrong pond. No, but that's that's full in full in swing with Brexit. You know, he's going to go over to Canada now and make a trade trade deal. Maybe you know on the slider. You know, you don't yeah. know what's going on. Exactly. Yeah. That is, you know, okay, all right, Canada, fair enough. You get Harry. <laughs> we get a good trade deal. All right, how about that? They can have royalty in in Canada. That's right. I think it's pretty good. Yeah, and let's face it, more fitting because he looks. Let's face it, he looks much more Scottish. He looks more. Yeah, know, he looks yeah. like a Nova Scotian. Yeah, <laughs> new Scotsman. Yeah, she, she could pass for a Micmac, maybe. So, yeah. when I was in when I was in Quebec, I went into this. It was, it was the original old bank in Quebec. It's massive. But now it's been converted into like a massive coffee shop. And um, it had all the original names of the founders on the wall, like uh, maybe 150 names, all Scottish. All the original money that set that place up. Uh, those were the bellies. Southerners, they wouldn't survive in the cold winters. Yeah, it's bloody cold over there. Yeah, soft Sassanach. <laughs> 
I would, certainly wouldn't go there. <laughs> wouldn't go there in the winter. Yeah, uh, one way. That just goes to show you to what lengths people go to avoid the English. <laughs> That's right. We've got uh, too cold for them. <laughs> well, unfortunately, in, um, they didn't have a choice because in 1707, Scotland had to basically declare itself bankrupt. So they had to come down on their hands and knees to the city of London and say, help, and come to the king. So he agreed to bail them out on the condition that they were forever binded to Great Britain. Uh, and also, at that time, Scotland wasn't as it is now. It was only the south that was, like, developed. The north was still all like the old fucking tribes running around, you know. The, the sort of aristocracy was wedged in between the English and the old tribes. So they were like, they had to side with England, really, and they didn't have any choice. Yeah. 1707, the year of Scotland forever shall never be independent. What's, what's the whistling sound? Is it me? It's or the it... dustbin lorry going past my house. Oh, <laughs> right, beep, beep. Yeah, okay. It's midnight, so, you know, you've got to collect the garbage. Ah, Spain, love it. Fear, isn't it. Can't you believe that, midnight? Do you know what? They come again at 2 a.m. As if the bins are going to be magically full. I mean... Why? Why do they come twice on one night? Twice? They come like six times a day. Well, eh? Amazing. You must have a really clean city. No. It's not that nice. Do contracts, contracts, money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Six Imagine times a day, you're kidding, aren't you? Just filling uh, out the hours, you know. It's ridiculous. When I first moved here, they used to come three times a day. Now it's six. That's public money. What? Imagine you've got contracts for like maintaining those vehicles or wow. providing like a good gig. or. Yeah. Plus, Shit. they if have. I was, if I was to move to Spain, I'd get a job as a bin man. You can, and also you can't get fired. Bin person. Hey. <laughs> bin person. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, right? Like about a year ago, they all started wearing helmets. Helmets. Yeah, helmets. Wow. Because they. That seems a little bit excessive. Well, no, because they're big wheel bins, and they flip up on the back of the truck and then come back down. Yeah. Yeah. That's so you standard. could, if you weren't concentrating, you could get clonked on the head with one. <laughs> <laughs> you really have to not be concentrating on your job to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Which in Spain is quite possible because they're all basically looking at their phones and smoking the whole time. So. Well, that's a, that's a good contract for the helmet manufacturer. Too. That's what I was about to say. So you have the guy who was at the council who represents them who suggests, oh, we need some helmets. Oh, I just happen to have a cousin who's got a helmet supply company. Uh, how many <laughs> do we need? Uh, let's say 5,000. Okay. Ba -ba -ba -ba. Yeah, they're going to cost us £5 each from China, but we're going to charge the council £50 per helmet. <laughs> I mean, that's how it yeah. works, right? 
yeah. everything. Yeah. The concept, That's called initiative. The drivers, <laughs> the vehicles. Plus, they have a squad of people who come and maintain the bins, who, like, clean them, put new wheels on them, remove the graffiti, or... It's like they actually have people who massive. come around and clean the bins. Yeah, they come with a little truck with a wow. water hose. Wow! And they like clean. I don't, them. I don't even think they do that in England. They, no, they don't. No I, they don't even do that in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind yeah. of on you to like clean the bin, right? It's they're, of, they're all they're all public bins. There are parts of Germany. Where you're expected well, you to get have peer your pressure own. from from your from the other people in the house to wash out your bins every two weeks or once yeah, a month, but not a peer, and otherwise they don't do in it. You've got gypsies. You're renting them out to gypsies, and they're living in the bottom. <laughs> <of them. laughs> but, but, <laughs> the uh, yeah yeah yeah. But that's crazy. That sounds real clean. Right? The Swiss, oh. even the Swiss, are thinking, oh, what, clean, what are you doing talking about? This is obsession. This is, that's just the trucks. Like, the, the have actual street sweepers. They go around in, like, gangs. It's like, sometimes you look around and it's like, four on your street. Like, what? And they're all just standing around on their phones. Okay. Like, it's like jobs for life. You know, it's just public money just getting flushed down the toilet. And they clean the streets twice a day. Hey, not, hey, not. It's been spent on people who can, you know, actually. I mean, it must be nice to walk around, walk around Barcelona, keeping it clean, you know, but no sweat. You can keep on your phone, have a smoke at the same time. That sounds like, an, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> the streets are not clean, though. I mean, you wouldn't oh. know they were working. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, maybe they should book up a bit, but the system seems all right. That seems like a good sort of distribution of money to an idea. But, I mean, you know. Did you say twice a day? They clean the streets twice a day? Once a day, they come with a truck with the, like a hose with two guys with hoses out either side and they wash the streets. Good Lord. Yeah, that's true. I remember that in Lanzarote. There's the Spanish do that. But because it's so hot, isn't yeah, it? summer. It's yeah. Good. You've got to do it. Yeah. Just put, yeah, it's brilliant because if they don't, whoa. You know, nah. they do. Yeah, it's really important. V squad, they're out twenty four seven painting over things, yeah. peeling stickers off lampposts. <laughs> <laughs> I think in Bristol it was like once every three months, maybe maybe once a month that they would actually have streets out, depending on what neighborhood you lived in. You know, towards city center they would do more often, but uh, yeah, nowhere near once a day. Yeah, that's crazy. Yep, contracts, man. Yeah, or some also maybe behind it. What's how much we take care of our city and how important it is. Exactly. People in but, England have better standards. They have better standards. Did you say, James? Yeah. They have better standards of what of cleanliness or what? No, just personal people. Oh. Because I think, like here, I think... people know that. Because it's kind of like a weird sort of socialist vibe. So if they're sitting on a park bench eating a pizza and having a few beers, they'll just leave it on the bench and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> they know that someone will come and clean it up. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've had that here sometimes. It's even like people say, oh, don't clean it up. That's someone's job. Yeah, You're exactly. taking their job away. Don't do that. Yeah, so it's yeah. a bit like job security, yeah. 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 It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's funny, wasn't it? If you like rented a bin van and went around emptying bins and see if someone said, Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> Taking someone's job away. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you are. Yeah. They had the recycling go. bins. Like Same big bin. ones all over the place. Well, it's really funny because the Indians, like, they, they rob the paper ones because they obviously sell it. So they pull up in like a, <laughs> they pull up in like yeah. a flatbed van. And they yeah. like whack the top off of the paper recycling bin, and one of them jumps in, and they unload the whole bin into their van, and then they go hundred yards down the street to the next one. And then, what do you mean they whack, whack the top off it? What would they whack the top off it with? Because they have these big floppy, big like lids on the bins. It's like a oh, I bin. see. Yeah, okay. It's you don't hear. You have to lift up the whole container. It's like, yeah, it's pretty funny. Okay. Yeah, so they rob all the paper, and then. I guess they're going to sell it somewhere. Yeah. We well, yeah, see right. opportunity for so those that are willing to work. <laughs> Bit of an investment in a truck. And then that's <laughs> funny. Cause yeah, like at the same time, you know, in England, people same people do the same shit in England, but um, they just, it's not like they know someone's going to clean it up. It's just that they don't give a shit. They just <laughs> leave the, leave <laughs> the trash true. on the park bench because they don't care. <laughs> yeah. Is that, I wish it? they were in Barcelona. I mean, collecting a newspaper, I used to do that as a kid. You know, there's this guy, and we used to go around on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, I think, every night, and there'd be different areas of town we'd go around, and the people knew we were coming, and they'd give us all their old newspapers, cardboard, yeah? And we'd put that in the van, and then eventually we had a ton, and he got 20 quid a ton in those wow. days. Take it to Tewkesbury, get 20 quid a ton for it. And the guy used to pay us. How do you pay Huh? Thrippence happening? <laughs> no, I think he paid us two pounds a week. Half a guinea. Yeah, let's go. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. And it was well, great fun because we got to hang off the side of a transit van, you know, and he could crawl around the area really slowly and we'd sort of jump on and get the papers and jump back or throw them in the back and jump back on again like bin men, you know? And you know, when you're 13 or 12 or whatever, it's a great fun. It's a fantastic adventure. And yeah, the same in the take all the metal, they go around with shopping trolleys, like filling them with scrap metal. Yeah, they'll just hang outside where there's building works or whatever, and like wait for them to chuck out cabling. And but they have to take those things fucking miles to go to the recycling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A hard job. Yeah. Yeah, but these are the nooks and crannies the way you can, you know. Exactly. It's a way to survive, I guess. Yeah, it's like get you by, you can find, you know. Let's see the average well, European go over to North Africa and try and carve out a living for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing in Britain. Like, you see so much trash on the side of the motorway. It's just because you have to pay to dispose of it at a designated site. So yeah, a lot of people yeah. just do dumping on the side of the motorway. It's like, yeah. It's... What happened, yeah, when I was living in London, like, 
you'd be doing some renovation on your house or something. So like you'd have a lot, pile of shit out in your front garden. And you'd get an, so a couple of Irish boys knocking on the door going, can we take that away for you? Do you want us to take that away for you? <laughs> 20 quid, 20 quid, we'll clear the lot. Okay, oh, hang on. Oh, I've only got a tenner. All right, give us a tenner, give us a tenner. And you know they're just going to fucking dump it down some alley or something. But it's out of your front garden. So you don't care. You're know, like, good. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Because you do. Because if, if I took it to the dump, I'd have to pay to like just throw out loads of old plaster and right. old bathroom. Yeah, it's like if you. If you got anything more than will fit in the bin for the week, then you got to pay to get rid of it. Yeah, that's terrible. No, here, no, here, we got the thing. It's called, called yeah, we got spermal, which means extra rubbish. Yeah, and they come around at certain times, and you have to say if it's electro or if it's just building shut things like that. But you can get rid of it. It's great. And then it's on the street for a night, you know, because they come really early in the morning. So people put it out in the evening and then teams go around, you know, everyone goes around. I mean, you can furnish a flat when you're poor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Tuesday nights is a recycling night when everyone puts out furniture and house things. I mean, people put out whole kitchens on the street. Yeah. yeah, and you see people. And walking this is, around this is it's like yeah. you'll see like like a mattress, you know, propped up against your neighbor's garage for like yeah. a month. <laughs> Just a mattress. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, because it stagnates. It's, that's the problem with the UK. It's the system. It's the same with housing, and it's the same with this. Just not free, you know. There's something very antisocial about the system there. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. England creates criminality <laughs> because yeah. it's obsessed with law and order. That it yep. just it just oh. automatically creates criminality by default, even if you don't know you're being a criminal. Yeah, and then there's all these extra like social benefit systems to like try and plaster it, plaster over the cracks. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. Need to get mm. in that shit. Yeah, and you're made to feel like a criminal as soon as you're on that. <laughs> you know, so I did that for a while in England, kind of, just not for long, a few months. But you stand in line, you know, and you get to the end of the line. There's a guy behind a window, a barred window. Yeah. <laughs> your check. No, I used to do that, and it's funny because you'd go in there, and there'd be like the guy next to you. You'd seen him hop out of a builder's van. He's covered in paint. He's covered in <laughs> unemployment. You're like, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just plaster all over their, their yeah. trousers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh, yeah, so it fucked it all up, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting for me to like talk to a couple of English expats you know, because I'm a dual citizen. I'm also a British citizen. And I've lived in for a while, um, so it's uh. It's interesting to get your guys' take on all this stuff, you know? Yeah. Find it. You don't think about it until you move away because you don't know any difference. Yeah. yeah, you do need that, the distance it gives you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't realize how um, kind of claustrophobic England is. 
Yes. Is itself. Yeah. 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 It has the most beautiful countryside in the world. That's some really fantastic, amazing places. But in order to live in England, you have to live in a bloody city to survive. Yeah. Right, right. Pretty much. Yeah, unless you've got like family connections or, you know, yeah. things yeah. like that to Just live in the countryside. Well. But... Right. Yeah, you need to live in a city just for like connections and traveling and especially nowadays it's so expensive and if you're in a relationship like a couple you have to be in a city where both of you can make money yeah yeah a layer f off to the countryside and have a nice life so a lot do or try yeah you need a lot of money to do that Especially if, like, you make money, like, if you travel, or just like, oh, I need to go and do this. And it's like, oh, shit, I won't get to an airport. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy, dude. Like, you know, over in England, you know, it's, it's fucking crazy. Like, you can't live in the country unless you have, like, a, you know, a generational family farm or something like that. Like, it just doesn't work. There's no jobs. There's nothing to be done. Yeah, and if you're a couple, you probably need two cars as well. Right. <laughs> if one of you's off doing shit, the other one's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm staying home today. <laughs> Dying in the country. I got friends who moved to the country and did, did that. Ex-pop stars, you know, who thought, oh, I know, I'm going to move to the country now. Yeah, and they are they still alive? They do get bored. <laughs> yeah. How many sheep? How many sheep do you have? Oh, you're racing sheep. That's cool. Um, how much money do you get for oh, that you, wool? <laughs> do you shear your own sheep? <laughs> Stuart Lee does a good rap about that, you know. Oh, he's begging people, he's so spot on. You know, begging <laughs> this old friends from the city, come to Stu, come and see, come and look at the horse, Stu, please, come and look at the horse. It's so sad, Stu, come and look at the horse. <laughs> Can you bring some cocaine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big long list of stuff, please. Hilarious. I mean, he was vicious in that monologue, but it's so spot on. Like, so yeah. Yeah. Beware, you know. Anyway, this is that kind of they say here. Uh, they say shoemakers stick to your trade. Nothing to do with the racing driver. Just I don't know why. It's just a blow. Yeah. Must be cool, and having a trade. Well, you know what I mean in the broad metaphorical sense of the word. Yeah. Have to know Kurt what your trade is. <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut said, "He said never start a job for which you need new clothes." <laughs> Fair enough. It's a pretty good general rule. It's not bad actually when you start to apply it. I was reading some William Gibson the other day uh, in front of me. I can't remember the quote exactly. He was talking about conspiracy theories. He was saying, yeah, I quite like conspiracy theory. But what I found out is people who are really into conspiracies, they actually, in the end, they feel safer with the conspiracy 
the uh, than they do with the actual effects of whatever. Like they prefer the evil of the conspiracy to the effects of the conspiracy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, to the ongoing story of what's implemented and what's come after. And exactly. It's a way of yeah. Well, that, is the, that was the one of those nerves that A. A. Morris hit when he had his meltdown. You know? But then he wrote that in two thousand one. Yeah. Yeah. Prescient. Well, just that, just that perception of of knowingness as like you've got it all figured out, and there's some comfort. Yeah, but he was saying even regardless of how evil the forces were, who were, you know, it happened. People would prefer that to the actual thing that's happening. <laughs> yeah, and to what extent? That's what's incredible, you know. Come on. Bring it on, World War Three! I told you I was right. Uh, that'll never happen. No, I don't think so. That's all nicely. That's done. There. I think so too. I remembered a cool thing this week. Hmm? I remembered a cool thing this week. You know, because you know I'm into like medieval times. That we're rerunning the medieval times currently. Yeah. So yeah. in twelve twelve. There was a children's crusade. Yes. By the of church. Of course. Children. Using children to propagate. It's quite famous. Yeah. 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 As a way to overthrow Islam, but just replace yeah. Islam with climate, and then boom, you're on. Yeah. <laughs> children's crusade. Yeah. The children's crusade is back on. The landed gentry have joined with the peasants again. There you go. Yeah, there's the cycle. There's, there's, it's interesting, isn't it? Nice correlation. Yeah, quite um, funny. Back to that was poor. It's a long way getting, going a long way back now, aren't we? There, what is that? Did you say 1212? Yeah, 13th yeah. century. My God. Yeah, that long uh, ago. Yeah, before the existence of anything, according to some. Sure. Pre, literally. You, I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I firmly believe that idea that they knocked about a thousand years off history. There's even, you know, because the Germans don't have the Dark Ages. They they had the yeah. Carolingian. <laughs> so it's such a boring it's just, idea, isn't it? Well, yeah. they've they've got quite a lot of, you know, so they say, yeah, um, stuff from that period, and it's called the the early medieval period, as opposed to the med uh, the middle one and the and the, yeah. and the the high one, as they call it. Medieval, and, yeah, Hook Middle Ages, I think the last one. And uh, yeah, so they've got the Carolingers and all that story going on, and you know the rise of Carl the Carl the Great, Charlemagne, as the French called him. Yeah, he was pretty dope. And he had people walking around after him, you know, writing shit. Yeah, he made all sorts of laws and all sorts of. He, he owned most of Europe, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he did carved it up between his between his sons, you know, like King Lear. It doesn't make any sense with history because you had all this amazing Greek prescribing of like pre-Christ and then Roman times and and then suddenly what well, it's all supposed to just drop off like 
people forget how to write all of a sudden. Well, that's what the English talk about, the Dark Ages. Well, that's what I learned in school, but that's not the same everywhere. doesn't happen no, in China. It doesn't make sense. No, <laughs> it doesn't happen anywhere else. This is the, the other thing about the, the history hoax, because you've got to sync it up somehow, because now Chinese scholars, Western scholars, everything else, it's kind of synced up, you know? So you've got to, how did they, oh, that's like, you know, so what was going on? There must have been something going on. Otherwise, oh, the Chinese have also faked up there. Oh, they're all doing it. Oh, shit, they're all doing it. I see. So, so that's all. Terracotta army and all that stuff. That's all. You know, Ming Dynasty and all that stuff. Can't happen, though, can it? <laughs> you can't have global stuff. Did you say, uh, uh, James, say, say that you don't really believe the idea that a thousand years have knocked off of history? I do believe. Idea. You do believe, okay? Yeah, I think Christ yeah, I, I, was I thousand that. years ago, not two thousand years ago. Right. All right. The only thing, yeah. I mean, it seems it seems plausible. You know, yeah. it's. I based that on the Renaissance and the way that re the Renaissance. When you see the state of Rome during the Renaissance, you think, "Fuck, you know, <laughs> and it had fallen apart." You know. <laughs> Not that I know how long history goes back, but in terms of contemporary, like from Christ onwards, or the story of Christ from the Roman Empire. There is a there's a German historian that's proposed, but he proposes about a hundred years because I think he he thinks some Otto want the Otto, some king called Otto wanted to be the Millennium King, so he sort of moved things oh, up a hundred years. Yeah, it's hard to know, isn't it? And sure, you maybe you could, you know. But you know, that's the thing. You start digging into history, you, know, you talk about a rabbit hole. <laughs> you know, and then if you're a scholar and you can get at these other things, you can actually go and see what are proposed to be the originals. You know, and um, so you know somebody made that shit. Fucking hell! This big fat book with all these, you know. All this old handwriting and stuff. All this old English. Wow, someone actually made this, you know? I don't know how old it is. Yeah, how old it is. Right. It and is it hard important. to know. I mean, none of us really know. But, um, yeah, it um, it seems like for sure there's some fuckery going on with the timeline. Well, some fuckery going on with the truth. We all know that. It's Absolutely, all the, the yeah. stories that get out and the way they're portrayed don't tell you the truth and sometimes they're diametrically opposite and sometimes they exist in no reality whatsoever because well, yeah most of the sources we have are coming from, you know, the catholic church or the official whatever the monks who transcribed that text from wherever it's all within that context it's very open to question yeah well, that's where the question comes from, isn't it? It's from the dating on the, the scriptures yeah, and the paintings. Yeah. And yeah, they were all 500. Why 500? And then suddenly it changed, putting a one on it at the end mm. of the 1500s. It's like, hang on, where did that one come from? The so-called Dark Ages, you know, as to how we could have gone from, you know, how, how civilization 
from uh you know advanced architecture into this dark age where everything disappeared it doesn't make a lot of sense to me really if you look at the high culture of greece and the hellenistic period I mean, yeah and then rome no, following it yeah i know they had the climate but you know yeah, yeah but they built come on they built baths up in baths that's bristol more or less didn't they yeah they were in england spreading that around weren't they the aqueducts and... yeah. somebody was the tartanians or whoever they were <laughs> tartanians <laughs> you mean tartarians oh right i prefer tartanians <laughs> I like, this is a new one yeah. Shh. have you heard of the tartanians <laughs> I got down Freudian slip. I didn't mean to. Could start a whole YouTube channel on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've heard about Tartar. Have you heard Tartania? Tartania. <laughs> this is a matriarchy. A dualistic. Yeah. Secret Jesuit sect. Yeah. Reset Europe. Yeah. Reset, yeah. Well, the, the whole thing about Tartar, it's a uh, very interesting. Uh, can you guys hear me? Am I cutting it? Sometimes it's yeah. clipped, a little bit clipped. Yeah. All right. I'm going to try and get closer to my microphone here. Um, the whole idea of this whole Tartaria thing is very interesting because it, it speaks to like um, an impulse that a lot of us have as to where you know, we like to think that there was a a great civilization before what we have now as Atlantis and things like that. Um, but now it's all being tied into this Tartaria thing, which is supposedly from Northern Europe. Um, but yeah, there's all kinds of connections. I personally don't need to think that there was a great civilization before Greece. I'm quite happy with that as a sort of starting point. You know what I mean? <laughs> that works for me. Persia, I mean, fucking hell. Persia. That was happening at the same time, wasn't it? It's just we don't Yeah, it's before. I mean, the Persians were, you yeah. know, the king of kings, what was his name? Uh, you know, it was his empire was vast. The Greeks yeah. were the, the underdog in that. They were the little boys, you know. Yeah, well, that they didn't their... fight, did they? They were chill. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were trying out these. The thing was the people kind of kicked out the tyrants, didn't they? And that, that in a way, you know, to a degree, they were sort of the first. Re well, they, they were. They were the first republic, weren't they? That's the whole fucking idea. <laughs> Democ democratic republic. Wasn't it? I understood that man was God. They didn't build any statues or imagery that projected man being any bigger than he was. Do that. Do you know what I mean? Is that true? Yeah. So they understood their limits. Well, okay. God was. I just. I, I think of it as like everything was tied together much in the same way that it is now. I that. think so. I think globalism but, has always existed. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In some form or other, yeah. And you know, you know, cultures exchange and shared knowledge between each other 
regardless of race or ethnicity or anything like that. I don't even think they would have spoken in those terms. Those are like more than ideas. No, they didn't. They didn't. I think we, we know that they didn't. They sp- or, well, they didn't spend uh, the idea of race, race terms. They, they spoke more in terms of nationality or regions. Yes. No, uh, connection, called... connection to the land, connection to their yeah. local area. That's why you yeah. were called usually, you know, John from wherever you came from, you know. Right. <laughs> James from Barcelona, right? Jaime from Barcelona. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, it's not Della Barcelona. What is it? <laughs> In... But it's oh, like the, the whole idea of being, you know, from, you know, I mean, people move around all the time. People just move around. <laughs> it's like to say that you are tied to one specific geographic location is sort of a misnomer, maybe sometimes. Uh, yeah, but for sure. everyone moves around all the time. And it's just the whole interchange of culture and, and yeah, uh, exchanging resources and all that kind of thing. I ain't going to stop that. You can try for a while. You might even be successful for a while. Never lasts long, does it? Right. Not even the Soviet Union. All that power. It's just not a working model. But, you know, at the same time, like, if you have, like, several generations tied to a certain piece of land, then, yeah, you're going to identify with that place, that geographic location, of course. Yeah, sure. It takes both, you know. I don't see it's never a problem here. You know? It's the, there are electrons that move and there are electrons that stay put. Otherwise, you you know, that's always been the way. And uh, you know, so, and you know, you do though. I mean, I noticed that it's like kind of. So I grew up in Stratford on Avon, in the Midlands, you know, and uh, Oxford. I knew Oxford and all these places, and. Um, but I spent so long now in Dusseldorf, and I noticed that it was that that um, a friend a friend of mine she turned me on to a crimi uh, to a cop show an English cop show that set half of it set in Dusseldorf, yeah. And now when I see uh, Dusseldorf and they do these panning pictures, just I think, yeah, that's my city. This is where I belong now. My family are here, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I've noticed that my inner feeling has has actually transferred, you know, because I've been here so long that I identify with that much more than when I see a. Because there's also a series set in Stratford, and that's more like, oh yeah, I know that place, you know. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's the connection is as you can you you and you know, I think all people do this. They learn to love where they are if they can if they can settle there and if it works, you know. And so, you know, if you're part of a country, you're part of an agreement, really. Pay your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I wouldn't want to do that. That sounds horrendous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the thing, isn't it? 
I don't feel like I have had a bad deal here regarding taxes and and what uh, I've done for the state and what it's done for me. It has done some things with me, especially with the kids. So I feel like feel like the deal's okay. Oh. Is, that, is that a really awful thing to say? That's a fucking. Oh. <laughs> I don't it? think I don't think we're going to lose cool, any subscribers. No. Hey, I was just... Um, <laughs> applauding I even remember thinking that, you know, because I, you know, I got some dull money off them. I got some, you know, social money off them. And I remember thinking that uh, at one point, now I've paid that back now. That's all right. Now I've paid that back. Oh, now I'll pay, you know. Yeah. Oh, you did it that way around. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. They try and tell you you're not, you know, this is the thing that you're not allowed to have some money, but you are. So, uh, but it was okay, and they funded me for a year, about a year, I'd say. But then I got everything set up, more or less, then. And I remember, you know, last time, going, come on, just one more month, I'm nearly there. And he said, well, if you're nearly there, you're there, come on. Just a little jump. So, no. <laughs> but he was right. It was Maybe cool. you needed to get cut off to get yourself. Yeah, yeah, no, you needed it. No, it was good. It was like, right now, it's now or nothing. I've got to, you know, if not now, then when? So, yeah. Is that Tracy Chapman? <laughs> Don't know. I think it's some fucking Latin thing, mate. I don't know why I said mate. Sorry. Tracy Chapman was using Latin. Yeah, that's a Latin what phrase, if not that way. Well, you would know, being from Bard country. Uh, of course. No, I, I only know it because I think Esther Anson used to use it. <laughs> Well, uh, I was trying to go Shakespeare and bring up fucking... Sorry to stay there, television. <laughs> I don't want people thinking I'm erudite. I'll have to think. We all know you're sitting there in tights and a rough. <laughs> <laughs> making notes with a quill. Don't put down my head. Oh, you always that with me projecting. I can't decide. <laughs> no, sir, Nessie. Yes. No, no. But uh, I did work at the theatre for a while. And uh, oh. I was quite. Ah, yeah, that's funny, isn't it? That you ended up working theatre and you were from Stratford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought it, you know? Wow. <laughs> what a lark. <laughs> what a lark, yeah. Yeah. Ah, there's something in the water. What do you mean? There's something in the water. What's in the water? In the Stratford. Stratford water. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know what I did. I was an electrician there. Yeah, looks a glorified bulb changer. And um, uh, but sometimes you had to go around and look after the houses. You know, and then if you so, if because they all these, they had all these properties around the theatre, also belonged to the RST. That's where their actors stayed. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. The crews and the people they got in. And um, and they, you know, they call you out. Heater doesn't work, and you know, I'd go and open the cupboard and so. Sort of, <laughs> have, <laughs> have you tried turning it on? <laughs> I'm turning it on. What's that, darling? <laughs> See this red knob here. <laughs> switch it down. Say where it says on. Switch it down to on. <gasps> what would I do without you? <laughs> anyway, it was a very cushy job. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Well, we've really run the whole gamut of topics here. Tonight. 
<laughs> where we kind of like we skim over them. We do we do and go anything in in any depth? I I, I, don't. I hope not. Yeah, good. Just just I'll check it, James. Space for the next one before, before it goes out, that we haven't been too. The only thing we've missed. Clever or anything like that. We, we have not talked about mud flood, but that's <laughs> just going to blow. We, perhaps we don't need. Uh, but we haven't talked about the geopolitical situation and uh, the general got shot and all the rest of the stuff. Oh, we didn't get shot. Oh, we did. We touched on that when we touched on the video games. Okay, fun. We did do that. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't give our conclusive, factual, truthful reason it all happened. <laughs> No, 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 forbid. Because we're real alternative media. <laughs> yeah. No answers here. We've got absolutely nothing. Yeah. We can make memes to order if anyone needs a meme. Yeah. <laughs> no with um, Jim Hope, if anyone has any requests, I can put that book anywhere. Yeah, I like the book. But the only thing I thought, of course, it's not going to, nothing's going to go, it's not going to go anywhere without a cat in it somewhere. Sorry. I can do a cat one. Yeah, please do. We have to have a cat one. I hate cats, so I'll do it. Just. I know, I know, but there has to be one. Just, it's like, do we go? Really, you should start with a cat always. Listening to records, I just knew what to do. I mainly taught myself, and you know, I did pretty well. Except there were a few mistakes, but uh, that I made that uh, I have just recently cleared up. You know. I'd like to just continue to be able to express myself as best as I can. Mystery, you know, I feel like I have a lot of work to do. Still, you know, I'm a student. And I'm also a teacher of the drums, too. <laughs>
like to be able to continue to let what is inside of me, which is, which comes from all the music that I hear, you know, I'd like for that to come out. And it's like, it's not really me that's coming. The music's coming through me. The music's coming through, the music's coming through me.